Sparkler podcast number 28. Today we are talking about the promoted fangirl, people who start in fandom and move on to working in the industry. Uh, I am Rebecca Scoble. I'm the audio director. I'm here with three lovely, wonderful people. I'm Leanne Centaur. I'm the managing editor and prose editor at Sparkler. I'm Aaliyah. I'm the production head at Sparkler. I'm Capo slash Zoe, and I did Out of Sync and also have my own podcast, Gutter Queens. Yeah, so if you like listening to things, you should go check that one out. Gutter Queens. Yes, Gutter Queens. This is the second podcast that Zoe slash Capo has been on with us. She was (laughs) also on the Toki Demons one, and we listen to Gutter Queens, so we've heard a lot of your lovely voice. <laughs> and probably people out there as well. I, I would imagine there's significant overlap between the yeah, you think? Sparkler and Gutter Queens uh, audience. Yeah. If not, there should be. Go look up Gutter Queens. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said before, uh, today we're going to be discussing the promoted fangirl. And I think all four of us and a pretty large portion of our staff are in some way or other promoted fangirls, you know, or promoted fan people, promoted fan boys mm-hmm. a little bit too. But, uh, you know, the industry is made up of people who got their start as fans because, I mean, well, the, the, the cynical thing about it is that nobody's in this industry for money. <laughs> <laughs> That's for damn sure. <laughs> like, nobody does comics. Nobody does, like, web prose. Nobody does uh, audio dramas. Nobody does. <laughs> does for the money or even the fame usually because a lot of it is there's like so much uh sort of thankless prep work that goes into it but Mm. also like these jobs are hard and sometimes grueling and you have to love what you're doing at least a good portion of the time and they're very specific you know when you work in sort of so now we're talking in the more broad more general geek industry so this is like comics video games uh we're not going to talk about really movies because that's sort of its own separate thing but there's sort of a, a language that you use, a common language and body of information, cultural consciousness, that if you don't know what you're doing coming into these industries and trying to start something without the appropriate kind of background in it is going to be very difficult and also come across as really phony. So, for example, um, some, I'm going to use a lot of stories without people's names attached to them <laughs> because I do not have permission to tell these people's stories, but these are good industry stories. There's one case we were talking to a very accomplished comic artist who was doing a work for hire on the... A, a comic, it was like a comic based off of a fantasy novel, a young adult fantasy novel or something. And she was talking to the creator of it. And she was, you know, there's like the elements of this fantasy story that I think just aren't very good or whatever. And she made some reference in a conversation to him about te- text input RPGs. And he was like, you know, these are people in like, now they'd be in their 40s or 50s. They would definitely know what a text RPG is. And he was like, what are those? And she's like, oh, <laughs> Like, how am I going to explain the comic adaptation of a fantasy novel if you don't even know what a text input RPG is? Because that sort of implies that he hasn't been part of this community, which means A, he doesn't know the tropes. B, he doesn't know what fans are looking for. Um, C, he doesn't necessarily even know what things have been pitfalls in the Mm -hmm. past. It's like knowing what has pissed people off or what people are tired of. It's kind of like a market research thing. But in an industry like comic books or something, because it's so insular, because there's not a lot of money, like, you better really know what you're talking about because people could spot phoniness from, like, really far away. It's it's kind of complicated to be a geek. Um, there's a lot of difficulty in attaining your stuff, especially if you were kind of now distribution is actually quite easy for a lot of comics. But, like, if, for example, if you were a, an otaku back in, like, the 80s, 90s, getting fan subs was a whole thing, as we've discussed in podcasts before. You used to have to pay people, send post office money orders to strangers on the internet 
who would then buy a bunch of blank VCR tapes, dub some anime that somebody had subtitled at a university because they had the original laser discs and they had, you know, uh, subtitling capabilities. And they would send you copies of this ta- these tapes to your house. And you'd send them like $7 a tape. And I did that for years and not once did I get ripped off. I was just sending money to strangers on the internet and they would send me back these tapes. And it, it's not like that's that's necessary to be part of this industry. Because like, you know, if you're young, for example, I'm sure Leah never went through that shit. But like... <laughs> At the same time, it's like if you're our age and you don't even know what that process was, that means you kind of missed out on a whole section. It's like you haven't been doing this long enough to really kind of understand the way that people talk about this stuff, what people like, what people value, you know. I mean, I'm going to age myself horribly here and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I Google memes all the time. If there's a meme that I've missed, (laughs) I like Google it and I'm like, okay, what the fuck is dabbing? What the fuck is dabbing? I mean, I have to do that, too, though I'm also old on the internet, so I don't know if that's... That's okay. Sorry. I I know what dabbing is now. Well, yeah, that's what... I know. What is... I don't know what that means. You don't have to know everything, but that's the thing. Like, it's more like, did you grow up in a culture? Did you grow up in this culture? And if you didn't, and you waltz in, and you're like, hey, I'm from Hollywood. I want to buy comics for movies. I'm going to make money. Or actually, I shouldn't even say making comics for movies. I'm from Hollywood. I think there's money in comics. I'm going to go see if I can publish comics to people. And you walk in, they're going to turn you right right away at the door. No one's going to want to talk to you because they're like, you think you can come in here and make a bunch of money? And you, well, First of all, you're not. <laughs> Almost nobody does. <laughs> Secondly, you can't co-opt something that people are doing purely out of love. Like, it's just not going to work. You don't know the industry. And this is why there have been a lot of um, publishing companies that kind of came and went. I mean, that's true in most industries, right? Mm-hmm. Small businesses come and go. But that's a really big problem in the comic industry. Our infrastructure is actually quite horrible. And the people who are keeping it together are keeping it together out of sheer force of will. And everybody's trying to make the industry a better place, or at least, you know, you hope so. Yeah, most people. Most people. But you can't just kind of waltz in and not and really not get it. So Yeah, and, and also, I, I do want to clarify, we're talking about industry people we're not talking about fans because oh yeah, yeah fans can come in at any like, point like it starts to sound a little bit like that argument about about like oh you have to know your stuff to be a geek which is oh, not that, no, that's, yeah, that's such that's bullshit. not what i because, meant because i mean all. all you have to do to be a geek about something is like it a lot yes you know i mean somebody who wants a job in the industry yeah yeah because actually and that that's one problem that <laughs> this is actually something to put on our industry as a fault it is hard to break into geek stuff for the same reason that we're so fragmented. Our stuff is so complicated that it is kind of hard for people to break in. And that's, you know, part of the reason why if you want to work here, you better know, you better have read a shit ton of comics growing up because you can't just learn about Marvel by reading Wikipedia. I mean, you can to a point. And we've, we've all done that. Like yeah. as part of our jobs, when we had to do no more superhero stuff, I'm like, oh shit, time to go to Wikipedia. But you can't have grown up and not understand like what a floppy superhero comic is or where you would buy that. Because some of that stuff you can't read on, on Wikipedia. It had to do more with who you grew up around or how you got your stuff or how you as a consumer when you were a child. Because that's the other element too, right? You have to understand your consumers. <laughs> and if you don't, well, it's more like if you're not one of them, <laughs> yeah. Then what you know, and the, and and you know, I didn't really grow up on superhero comics, um, no, mostly you, because I didn't have 
brothers. <laughs> I only had sisters. I know it's, it's such a it's such a gendered thing, but like you know, I didn't really go into comic stores, but I yeah. watched a lot of cartoons and I read newspaper strips and I was really into like Calvin and Hobbes and Farside and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So you know, you you come into it different ways. I don't. I feel like I feel like I don't want to say you have to have a certain type of geek cred because you don't. Because I came in through the fantasy novels and the newspaper no, but again, strips. I, I'm, but I'm arguing from an industry perspective. Yeah. If no, but you, I mean, you know, there things. are people. Here's an example at Tokyo Pop. We had a lot of really excellent editors. They did not all come from manga. In fact, a lot of them did not. They came from geek-adjacent industries. They were people in superheroes. They were people in sci-fi. They were people in film. Now, after Tokyo Pop shut down, a lot of them went to a bunch of different places. One of them is working at Tor. A couple of them have their own production agency. Some of them went and worked at Marvel or DC. Like, And that's fine. They still had their manga background. They kind of learned that they were there. But they, what was essential to Tokyo Pop is that they had to have a couple like pure otaku on the <laughs> the on the roll like the um, oh yeah the payroll. Yeah. Otherwise, they would make big missteps. And as anybody who followed Tokyo Pop <laughs> will tell you, mm-hmm. yes, they absolutely made some big missteps because they were kind of like, hey, this is our audience. Like, no, that's really not your audience. Mm-hmm. Like, and I understand wanting, to, and I like how Tokyo Pop was always trying to expand the audience. But there were times where it was definitely like, nope, 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 you are you are missing it. Like, that's adjacent, and I get why you think they're connected, but they're kind of not. So you sort of need to, and th- that's what Lillian's job was mm-hmm. a lot at Tokyo Pop, is she really kind of grounded them in a lot of way. She was kind of the grounding editor because she was kind of like, manga is its own thing. These other things are also great and adjacent, but they are not manga. They are all different and good for different reasons. Because she's, I will say Lillian is probably the most crossbred nerd slash geek I've ever met. She likes everything, she reads everything, and she understands why things are good for different reasons in different industries. But that's partially why Lillian is one of the more beloved comic editors in our industry is because she really gets that. So, and that's <coughs> something you can learn, you know, but oh, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta have a background it, that's close. It's kind of interesting actually that I think it's very true, but I also think it's kind of a weakness in comics. And yes, um, I agree. Not to talk about my own podcast but we had Juliet Khan on for an, oh, I love for her. an episode yeah and she actually talked about this specifically because she notices when she goes to like conventions and stuff that they're one thing that's really popular now is like you are the kind of person who tends to get a lot of traction at like comics conventions and especially indie comics conventions is the kind of person who grew up watching Sailor Moon but she works with a lot of immigrant kids mm-hmm who don't have that background and like she's like where are the comics where's the experience that's going to speak to these kids who come from like it's kind of a weakness to only require people to have that background because it it sort of means that the yes but in that case i would say hire one of those kids because i should probably get back to what my point is is that this is why promoted fangirl works in our industry is because Mm -hmm. these are kind of they're Kind of because these are passionate people um, who tend to, you know, when you're talking about stuff like comics or fantasy novels and stuff, people use them as escapism. There's a really high level of psychology kind of involved in there and also comfort and stuff that kids grew up with. So promoted fangirl works especially well in creative industries, especially things like this, which at least, you know, have traditionally been kind of fringe. I don't know if I would say that anymore, but traditionally have been kind of fringe. And what I like about that is, and we've had the exact same thing happen at Sparkle. We're like, okay, well, these people kind of get it. I'm, I'm happy to hire these people. And as we expanded, we started reading, oh, there are these other comics that are very different. Let's go hire some of them because <laughs> they understand that. Um, as opposed to yeah. taking kind of a square peg, a square peg and a round hole 
and trying to cram it and stuff. Like, this isn't the kind of industry where that works well. So I personally have always really liked the fangirl, uh, the promoted fangirl as a business strategy, quite frankly, because these are the people I work with. Yeah, the best. well, I mean, that's what we that's what we did when we yeah. started Sparkler, and and I mean, you know, I think I think if we want to talk, have a really technical discussion about this, we can talk about the industry and and how being insular is really kind of a problem because we don't have the numbers that yeah. certain parts of the book industry, but mm-hmm. how that's changing in the YA market because of Scholastic yes. and graphics, uh-huh. and, you mm-hmm. know, which is obviously their comics branch, and you know how Amulet and Smile mm-hmm. sell bazillions of copies and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and how and how the industry might be changing 10, 15 years from now when those kids grow up and are, you know, some of them become artists themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It is tricky, but the state of the industry right now is that you you can't really just be all like, do-do-do-do-do, I'm going to go into comics and start a comics company and not <laughs> yeah, know what yeah. you're doing. I think that's, like, really the main point that, like, uh, you know, and also, though, a lot of people who are really into comics, I mean, like, see, I don't think you can really be, like, a really serious fan of something without at least wanting to emulate it a little bit. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I think that... Well, you may want to be a creator. Yeah, like, like I mean, not obviously for some people it's a real passing, like you know, fancy or whatever. And sometimes it's like you're reading something bad and you're like, oh, but this has such a good idea in it and I could make it so much better if it was myself. And I mean, <laughs> let me be honest, like most of the story ideas I've come up with for things have come from reading something and being all like, this could have been better. <laughs> and then kind of running with that. Yeah, no, there's some people who are really happy to, to just consume. Because I, I always felt that way too. And Lillian is the first person to always tell me like, no, I know plenty of people who just like to consume. So I, I think, but I, I agree with you that I think it does pass your mind that there are people who maybe wouldn't like to create, but they might like to be a part of the process. I think if oh, you include yeah. that, that's a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, like I say that as someone who is, I'm kind of a baby when it comes to actually creating my own stuff. But I've, you know, because I've, I was involved in the creation of Awake and I was involved in like, you know, but I've mostly been an editor. Mm, and yeah. I learned about grammar through just reading like 90,000 fantasy novels when right. I was a kid. <laughs> It's not just people who are the actual, you know, creative teams who are mm-hmm. doing it this way, but like, you know, we're talking about the staff at publishing companies and stuff like that mm-hmm. being really made up of. Uh, yeah, and I've seen. It's, what's interesting is, I don't remember who said it. It might have been Zoe just a minute ago, but saying that you you don't need to have that background to necessarily create. And I, I'm going to talk about a couple examples of other people I know who they came again from an adjacent industry, um, which I think. There's decent overlap there if you do it right. So let's say there was somebody who was an animator and they said, I really want to do this one comic. And they have a knack for comics, you know, and they happen to be a good writer, blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes we'll, <laughs> I'll be on a panel about webcomics or whatever and they'll come on and they'll be like, yeah, so I did this webcomic and it was really popular. They're like, oh, I know nothing about webcomics. I'm just an animator. I put it on there and my editor did this and now I make a lot of money off this comic and it sold really well. I'm like, fair your editor had to know what she was doing (laughs) like and this is kind of when we talk about promoted fangirl and stuff these are usually industry jobs they're not necessarily people who are fangirls who then get hired to be creators a lot of them get hired to be editors or production assistants or whatever the case is they may or may not create on top of that um but they sort of get how these things work they kind of get the market and and they are willing to do it for shitty money which is (laughs) often the case (laughs) So I would like us to get to a point where comics are so integrated into cultural narratives that it's like Disney, that it's like, if somebody's like an animator and Disney hired you, you'd be like, oh yeah, I fucking love Disney because everybody loves Disney. Like you don't have to be a Disney fangirl to have probably seen most of the Disney animated movies, but we are definitely not there yet. (laughs) So right now it's, it's a very tricky industry that's held together purely by a bunch of people who are in it because they love it. 
So uh, promoted fangirl rule works very well <laughs> for getting people who are going to probably be good editors, production people, promoters, marketing. Anyways, do we want to start to sort of like talk about personal stories a little bit? Because I feel like we've been talking about it in this very large... Yes. Yeah. I just want to talk about the... This sounds like such a negative podcast being like, you're not welcome. That's really not what I meant. Yeah, no. Like, like I think I think that's... Uh... Well, you know, and I'm going to say another example. This actually happened, and I think we can talk about it because it's under. Um, do you remember the Minx line? Yeah. <laughs> this is an example of what not to do. So when DC Comics was like, we want to... Shoujo is doing really well. We want to do a line of comics for young women. They mostly hired men who did indie comics or did you know stuff on this or superhero comics or they, they got a couple like they got a YA author she was pretty good yeah they, they, a handful of those had value to them they had a couple of really really talented people who do great stories about women like I think about the uh oh shoot they're who, who did skim Jillian Tom- oh Tamaki yeah yeah and then, I think, yeah, like she did, yeah. she did that. Yeah, yeah, she did that one was, about performance that was art. Someone else, yeah, she did that one about performance art, which sort of felt like her stuff with all the teeth taken out of it. Yeah, you know. So it's kind of like uh, you know they they did they same with like Cecil Castellucci. She was the YA author who yeah, did yeah. Uh, Plain Janes. And yes, that one was a, that, that was, one pretty, was good, pretty good. Yeah. But like, you know, it was pretty good. It, it was yeah, like, it was it was they didn't they didn't seem to really, at least whoever was in charge of this line didn't really seem to get why why young women liked shoujo. And they're like, let's hire these people who are talented comic creators or talented writers and just have them do a shoujo. And it's like, that's not what it is though. And that line only lasted like two years and then yeah. went under. And, and part I, of it is they didn't give it that much of a chance. Part yeah. of it, everything was like a one shot. Part of it was clearly their editorial team didn't know what they were doing. And I yeah. think that's the main thing. And that's part of it. Like, there's like a billion people from Tokyo Pop that they could have hired to do that, who had done basically, they were these creators. Like, why didn't they talk to Svetlana Chimkova? I mean, maybe at that point they couldn't, but she would have been 100% the person that you yeah. would ask to be on that. Uh, so I can't speculate too much because I don't know, maybe they did go to her and she was already a yen. Like. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I actually know an interesting story related to the Minx line, related to that specifically. Um, Sophie Campbell has mentioned that when she did oh, Water Baby, comic called Water Baby, yeah. Hmm. So when she did Water Baby, she they did not tell her that that's what the Minx line was supposed to be. <laughs> oh my god, really? Oh my god. She had no idea, and Jeez. when she found out later, she was like, "Oh, I would have done a lot of things very differently if I mm. because oh. she had been picturing like." A comic for like adult women, like women yeah. in their mid to late twenties, that and that's why she made sense. Water Baby. That, that actually explains so much because that. I mean, I was working at the Beguiling doing library services for them at that point, and we were like, we can't do anything with this book because we were like excited for the Minx line. We wanted to put it in like you know the YA collections of libraries, and we're like, this is like all nudity. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yes. I think a lot of the creators didn't know what the goal of the line was. And oh then the, the editor for the line was a woman, but she explicitly said in several interviews that they wanted to do like something different from shoujo manga, like an alternative to shoujo manga, but they clearly had not read any shoujo manga, yeah. so did not know what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> that actually, that explains so much. And any any negative uh, <laughs> thoughts I had towards Sophie Campbell when that book came out and was like totally un- usable and not mm. good for teenage girls at you know, all. She, she's been doing a really great job on Gem. So clearly, yeah, she like, has no... She can absolutely do sort of like a thing for teenage girls. Oh, but Water yeah. Baby was kind of not one of those. And no, we were a little bit man. surprised. 
That explains so much. Thank you for enlightening Especially me on that. Especially at that point that her professional right? backlist wasn't entirely the zombie comic she did for Tokyo Pop, but was largely the zombie no, comic. She, no, that's the thing. She was doing like Wet Moon. Oh, Wet Moon. Yeah, mind. Wet Moon's Never her like main that. thing. But like, also, that's kind of one of those things that was a little bit, you know, it was, it was very adult. Yeah. And just, I mean, yeah. again, like thinking about it from like an educational standpoint, like pictures of nudity are the thing people are most intense about. And yeah. I mean, I don't, I know that you don't, you don't always want to think about it that way. You can't always like, you know, constrain people from saying something is for teens just by like what, you know, Catholic school educators are going to think yeah. is for teens and stuff like that. And there are a lot of really valuable books that have nudity in them, you know, for that age group, but you really have to sell it hard, yeah, you yeah. know, it's, like it's very hard. <laughs> and you need to understand that going in. That that's yeah, gonna be yeah. a huge problem. And also just like, you know, for the most part, like young teenage girls don't necessarily want to look at a lot of depictions of naked girls, even if yeah. they're like into girls, if they're, you know, lesbian or bisexual or something, just because it hits so close to home in terms of anxieties about their own bodies. You know what I and mean? And also we're, we're inundated with pictures of half naked girls everywhere we go. You know, and like, I mean, it's and not I mean, like Sophie Campbell specifically does a lot about like, you know, body types and stuff yes. like that. No, so, I mean, true. I'll give her like more credit than a lot of people. It's yes. not like she's drawing like naked, naked supermodels and being all like, I'm just a regular teenage girl, yeah. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. is other things we could mm. talk about. But, uh, you know, still, it's just like, you, you can't, I just so, some of the librarians. I mean, like a lot of them were really progressive, and a lot of them were really into comics, and a lot of them just, just also just weren't. And a lot of them, even if they wanted to be, they were just like the parents had come down on them. Yeah, like what am I going to get in a fight about parents for? And it's like you're going to do it maybe for Fun Home. And there was this uh, oh shit, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a comic about anorexia that like had a lot of like really kind of oh I think I remember that one. Yeah, the really dope oh, cover yeah. where it was like a spiral monster. Yeah, that was that was a really interesting comic, and yeah. I can't, I'm totally blanking on. The the name sorry <laughs> but like you know you you, uh, you fight for fun home being in your in your team yeah. collection and then other things you kind of less like let go by the yeah. wayside interesting thank you yeah. zoe you always have a good yeah yeah, yeah. That, that changed my perspective on that line a lot too yeah. actually when i read that interview with her because i was like i love you sophie campbell why did you do this? <laughs> yeah and i read that interview and she's just like yeah i felt really weird about yeah. it you know, like, she's I made always, it way too sexy. <laughs> yeah. She's always been really talented, but I also feel like she's really improved a lot over the years, too. Like, I was in the early days, I was like, you know, I like Sophie Campbell. Her stuff's pretty good, but I like really dig the stuff she's putting out now. And I think that's partially like, you know, I mean, she, clearly she was mismanaged. I mean, she was with both Tokyo Pop and the Mix oh, line. Jesus. She <laughs> so, was. Yeah. She said in that same interview also that she realized after Water Baby came out that she was working through some stuff. I think this was like a Comics Alliance interview from oh, yeah. a few years ago. And she was just like, I clearly, <laughs> mm. she's like, I look at this and I did not intend for all of these things to be so sexy. So I'm clearly working through some things. <laughs> <laughs> Also like fair. fair. Well, okay. I, honestly, though, like the number of you know the number of comics creators I can think of who were working through some shit during a certain time in their uh, oh shit, I did their that. work. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some yeah. things that I don't want to talk about that are published that people are like, "Hey, did you?" And like, <laughs> I do not stand by any of that shit I said when I was like fucking 18 years old or whatever. <laughs> On uh, that note, do not read fire. the Sailor Moon novels ever. I think I've been pretty clear about that. <laughs> so beautiful. Of Sailor Moon fandom history, and everyone should read them. I'm gonna no. tell you exactly what they did. You made a very big difference in certain 12 year olds' lives. Well, yeah, I mean, that's fine, but like, don't read them now and then associate them with me. <laughs> like, 
Those were written by a child. I happen to be that child, but I am not that child anymore. I'm sorry <laughs> for at one point being that child. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Hey, Anyways. those those Sailor Moon novels—they bought a lot of Doritos and movie rentals when we were yeah, in high school. Okay, Becca partied on that money. Yeah, so no regrets on my account, at least. Yeah. Uh, so well, let now us... you've got me curious. Oh, we didn't tell you this. Oh, I'm sure I've said it on the pod. I'm gonna do the 10 second version. All right. Um, when I was a teenager, I wrote a lot of Sailor Moon fan fiction, and they were doing. Uh, these children's novels based off Sailor Moon, they had an ad for it running in Smile, which is where the comic was running, and the excerpt sounded bad, and I wrote Tokyo Pop a strongly worded letter about how they should hire a fanfic writer or they're going to screw it up. And they essentially wrote back and said, do you think you can do better? And they hired me <laughs> to do it. Um, it was a little slightly more complicated than that, but really not much more complicated <laughs> than that. This was when Tokyo Pop was young, and we're like, hey, yeah, we, we were actually hiring for the job, and they found out I was a teenager. They're like, you're hired. Because we can use you as a gimmick now. And they used to ship me out to uh, talk to book distributors and stuff. And they'd be like, can you do a presentation? And then they'd be like, that was great. How old are you? And I'm like, I skipped school to come here. <laughs> but like, they really liked that. That was easy marketing for them to not have to do anything. So I was like, all right, I'll be your like marketing guinea pig, I guess. It was a really good experience. So, But this is that's going to be our segue into actual promoted fangirl stories. Because that's why I'm on the promoted fanboy trope on tv tropes is because of that i basically went from fan fiction to actually writing the sailor moon novels so there are a lot of stories of people like that they're not always quite as obviously dream come true the way that mine was that i was literally hired to do what i was doing for free however there are a lot of people from like the scanlation industry who ended up doing mm. similar stories to that so beck and i've been talking a lot we're gonna go down to leah <laughs> and zoe capo um leah i want you to tell the story about how we hired you <laughs> for sparkler okay so, do you want me to go into, like, how I found you guys yeah, and everything? Yeah, I'm not even sure five? I know how you found us, so... Okay, well, so, kids, I actually found the Tokyo Demons site first, because I was uh -huh. looking up um, web fiction, and doing research, or procrastinating, pick, pick your whatever, <laughs> about how I could go about doing something like that myself. Spoiler, I haven't done that yet, but whatever. <laughs> You're young. <laughs> so much time. <laughs> so I found the Tokyo Demon site and they were like, hey, we're starting this cool thing called Sparkler. Check it out. And I checked it out and I was like, yeah, this is so cool. And then they were, I saw that they were hiring an audio editing intern and they were like, this is paid, by the way. I was like, why not? And they were like, you can't submit things that you have made for fandom. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I can do this. So actually, the reason I I thought I could apply for the audio editing internship was because before that, I got into Otome games. And I started out, like, writing fanfiction and everything. And then I started, for whatever reason, I began making these really badly recorded, badly sung. <laughs> but they were really fun, Otome parody songs. <laughs> oh, I think I remember those. Yeah, okay. They're adorably sung, okay? <laughs> Sorry. <They're... laughs> Is that what you submitted as your resume? I think, okay, I, I remember what I submitted. Rebecca, you hired her, was that? Oh, God, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't even remember that much. You know what happened? I was like, I was panicking a little bit because I had too much work to do and I wasn't getting anything <laughs> done. 
And I was just, you know, I had a couple of, I actually interviewed uh, one or two people before you, Leah, and like, it was people who looked really good on paper, but when I was like, yeah, so we're like a geek publisher, and it's like, you know, it's a cool environment, and you know, we're gonna start you as an intern, but we're gonna, you know, we'll give you a little, like, stipend for your stuff, and we'll blah, 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 and they, like, weren't very enthusiastic about it, even though they kind of had, like more of a professional background. Yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah, because I actually I, did not have the most competitive resume, but you had the passion. We specifically yeah. were looking for somebody for, in the fan, promoted fan Who actually sort mentality. of seemed to care about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, and I mean, Leah, I mean, you've been like freaking fantastic this yeah. entire time. You've and chosen I mean, well. Not to say know, that they wouldn't have been, but yeah, yeah, but like, I you definitely know, just, do not regret hiring you at all. <laughs> yeah, like people who actually were kind of coming through with degrees from, you know, and, and, and I mean, I know that, you know, this is me just going on about things, but like our audio department isn't always the most professional, but... I don't think it matters as much if what you're doing resonates with people. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, technical skill is a big deal, but it's not as big a deal as sort of just, you know, well, A, getting the work done and B, the the story being compelling and the actors being Mm -hmm. sort of interested and and passionate and that kind of a thing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was something that we kind of saw in you, Leah, like that you that you were someone who we could train, you know, like that. And we've done that with a lot of stuff like, you know, you've you've been uh, <clears throat> like a really, really great asset, and you always edit the podcast, which means I don't have to, which makes me happy. And you know, like, like she sort of came out of nowhere. You know what I think? Part of it was also like you reminded me to 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 get back to you. Like I know, <laughs> you cared enough to follow up. Oh Jesus! I'm no, so but you sorry. know, it, this sounds things... so sketchy. But like, yeah, like you followed up, and no, nobody else followed yeah, I up. I did. And I was like, wait. Oh. It was like a few months later, wasn't it? And I was just like, hey, did you get my resume? Did you perchance pick someone? And I need closure. (laughs) Oh my god! And you were like, "Yeah, do you want to interview?" And I was like, "Okay." Yeah, I'm sorry, Leah. I'm terrible. Jesus. No, but you see, but this is part of it. This industry, if you're in it, it's like if you have somebody who says. I'm going to come in and make some money and leave, or I'm going to come in and pick up some skills and leave. It's like, well, you're not going to leave with really. (laughs) I don't want to say either of those because I think that working in an indie press like this, you actually and sometimes get more skills because you end up having to wear more hats because it's like we don't have the same equipment we don't have the same software or the same background a lot of this stuff is kind of cobbled together yeah, we so just don't enough people so when it's like oh crap somebody's gonna put these these ebooks up on amazon we're like yeah, yeah. what's leah doing right now well the audio well, got pushed off so maybe you know like <laughs> yeah it's the difference in working in a startup versus an established company in a startup you're gonna be getting a lot broader experience in a more established company you're gonna have a more specialized like this is your department you do this thing blah 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 you know i used to hire outside of this industry too when i used to work in medical research and i had to hire people from my my lab and I gotta say I personality is something you really look for in any job some jobs is less important than others but in in the case of sparkler it was really important that we had somebody who wanted to be here if you don't want to be here you're not gonna be happy <laughs> mm. like it's it's I think a rewarding experience um, we can give you some money for sure <laughs> you don't have to volunteer like <laughs> the first year which was a really interesting experience although some people did volunteer. Um, we're like, I'm really yeah. sorry, but if you want to help, I'd be happy to be a name on your resume. Nowadays, we actually do pay, but we're not going to pay compared to like bigger publishers and stuff. You have to come here because you think this is cool. Um, and that's actually... I do think it's cool. Oh. I'm really glad you think but it's you know, cool. And what ended up happening is you ended up doubling up. Not just that we taught you a bunch of skills. You, you do a lot of stuff at Sparkler now. But also, you're kind of our target demographic. So we go to you with things like submissions. We're like, Leah, did you like this? You know, it's really valuable for us to have somebody who came here because they liked Sparkler and be like, okay, you are 
significantly younger than we are. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to Google memes the way that some of us do. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm what do you think we're missing? I'm starting to do that more often. I'm kind of scared. Uh, <laughs> what are you all of like 24 now? I'm 25. Oh, oh old woman. Oh, no. <laughs> I think Pachi's the youngest on staff now. What is she like? 20, I think she is. Yeah, 20, she's 22, 23, 23, something like that. Yeah. No, she's 20. Didn't she just turn 24? Oh, maybe she's maybe now. I mean, she's been working a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. A couple of these it's kids. Kind of... recently. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. like well, like uh, Romy, who's been an artist working with us forever. I mean, we hired her. Was she 18 at the time? Yeah, she was in high school. But it's been like four years. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. She's grown up. Yeah, Romy did... Um, see, I also found her because she was reading Tokyo Demons. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I really need an artist and I like your style. Will you draw something for me? And she's like, yes. Yeah, you know, we had people who were drawing fan art of our stuff. Yeah, and, and we like, hired them off We've that. talked yeah. about this, how a lot of people, you know, they, they get their audience doing fan art and mm-hmm. they, uh, yeah, absolutely. they get out there doing fan art. And like, you know, we have chosen so many artists, particularly for kind of uh, illustration jobs and stuff mm-hmm. like that, where we're just like, you're doing some cool thing. And... Uh, you know, we scout people, like, a lot. We do, And yeah. that's one of those things that, uh, you know, particularly in the comics industry, you know, I think I talked about this on another podcast, maybe, but, like, no, I talked about it at that panel we did at uh, Bishonen Con. Oh, yeah. But the idea that, like, you know, nowadays, if you are if you want to get into the comic industry as a comic artist, you have to go do a webcomic. That's just, you have to. Like, no kind one's doing of, portfolio yeah. reviews anymore. You know what I mean? I heard, actually, that, like, Marvel and DC guys will go look at fan art because they want to see how somebody draws Spider-Man. <laughs> Like, they'll go to a show and they'll be like, you draw Spider-Man really well and Spider-Man needs an artist. Um, even though I think that might be a little bit more on the down low. Because, like, yeah, cause little industry uh, people, you're not really... Like, officially, like, a lot of those yeah. places, they'll actually tell fan artists to, like, take down their Marvel stuff or whatever. Right, like, but then certain... they might slip in their card. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why doing free fan art online is really great. Because if you get something that goes viral, and that's actually how we got um, T2A, who also goes by T, T at 2AM, the artist for Gauntlet, she was somebody who had gone viral in my feed and she had drawn a picture of, it was Lord of the Rings. I think it might've been, or like The Hobbit or something. She did some piece of art that was like really cute and I really liked her style. And it just got like, you know, seven to 10,000 notes on Tumblr and it showed up, somebody reblogged it. And I started following through that. And then when we were like, oh, we need an illustrator for this. I was like, you know, this girl has a really interesting style. I think it might, it might match. And in fact, a lot of the time, when we have a when we hire pros people and we're like, okay, you need an illustrator. We usually narrow it down to like two people and ask like maybe the art like the the writer. We're like, do you have a preference? And sometimes it's people who who submitted portfolios to you. We have hired off of that. That's how we got um, Ava, mm-hmm. uh, who does um, cat lovers. Cat lovers, yeah. Uh, she does the cat lovers art. We found her through. Yeah, she's really talented. She's really good. Yeah, she she sent a portfolio during one of our open submissions. And the other mix is who are we following online? Uh, if somebody has a big following, that's a really big point in their favor because it means if they're going to blog to their readership, you know, you have more of an audience. Or in some cases, it was like well, there was some artists we wanted and they recommended somebody else, which actually leads to my next point, not to divert, but just combine to this, is that we get like <laughs> when you work with somebody in this industry and you are good to work with, you will often get a different job somewhere else in the industry through a recommendation of somebody. The one thing that I can say that I really do really like about the comic industry is we're all friends. That's not something that you can say about most industries. It's we're not really competing with each other that much because there's not really really enough room the industry is not big enough for competition you need collaboration kind of just to survive and that's not true in every case obviously but i definitely feel that i just don't feel like people are 
hiding jobs from their friends. They're, you know, trying to cut, you know, do these mm-hmm. cutthroat dance mom stuff where it's like, no, I, my daughter, you know, I'm going to get in there. And I'm going to get my friend this, but, you know, it's sort of like if you're a dick, <laughs> people won't hire you. And this industry is run by like 20 or 30 people. <laughs> so like they, and they all, they all get drinks together at cons. They do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found this even when I, in the manga industry, I think even more so that you would have these two companies that were like directly rivals and they'd all get drinks at cons. They'd bring a stack of books from their publisher and they'd swap it with the other publishers. So like, I want to read your shit and I don't feel like spending money. That was really common. And maybe like the bosses were kind of like at odds, but certainly not the editors. Oh God, no. Yeah. Like you had friends <laughs> in all the manga industries who would ship you. You'd be like, oh, I like that boys love title. Give it to me. And they're like, okay, well you had the newest shonen that I need. So give it to me. And they just like take it off their shelves and bring it to the next con when they get drunk and talk about whatever. That, that's one of the, the best parts I think about the comic industry. And that is one thing that we can offer each other. And, and I think that's part of it that because nobody's, everybody knows that they're here for love. They're not really here for money. Although money is nice when it happens. Because it does happen sometimes. <laughs> but it's not, it should not be your primary driving force. Is that what you can offer is a community of people who all have similar interests. Kind of get it. This kind of cultural common language and stuff. And as a result, you can recommend people for that. Like, there, I'm not going to use names. <laughs> because I didn't ask. But there are a bunch of people at Sparkler who we got jobs at other companies, either working for one of the other web com- companies or in adjacent industries. One of the Sparkler writers, wh- rather, one of the Sparkler creators is now working in a video game company because we promoted her for that. There's another Sparkler creator who's now working in a manga company because we promoted her for that. Not exclusively because we promoted her for that, <laughs> but th- somebody came to me and said, hey, we're hiring. And I said, do you have anybody, anybody recommend? And it's like, yes, this person, this person, and this person. And it's not exclusively because they were my friends and I liked them, although that's usually an element because if you're really good at what you do, but I fucking hate you, I might yeah. not get you a job. <laughs> although it depends on the job, quite Well, frankly. no, I mean, like, if you're if you're a massive asshole, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend a massive asshole to no, work with somebody yeah, I liked, thing, you know? <laughs> And I'm not going to yeah. recommend you just because you're my friend, because then my recommendations don't have any value because they're like, well, they're just trying to promote this person and this person might not be right for the job. But if you have something that I like that you did and I think you're qualified and I like you and a job comes up, I'll recommend you for it. And there was a, <laughs> not going to use her name, <laughs> but there was a scan later who did the most exquisite touch-up work that I just, and I mean, this was like hardcore pornography, all right? Like, <laughs> I mean, like somebody was scanlating, she Shut. ran this little scanlation community and she did these doujinshi and they were just filthy. And I was like, I cannot believe the beautiful touch-up of the sound effects with semen going across the, 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 the entire panel. How did you do that? So at one point, uh, she was, I think, auctioning off a book or something. And I, I won an auction. And I was like, you ever think about working in the industry? She's like, oh my God, I've been trying to break into the industry. For forever. Can you get me in? I'm like, yes, I think I can. And I just finished a book at one of the publishing companies. I was like, who did layout on this? Like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, that's right. I think I got her this job. And because she ended up working for a couple different manga companies because the freelance does tend to spiral. Rather not spiral, sorry, snowball. When you get a job, usually they'll hire, if you do a good job, they'll hire it again. But it was just interesting because I was in this company chat. They're like, oh yeah, she's one of the best layout artists out, out there. And I'm like, I think that was because I got her that job because she, <laughs> but because of she was doing really beautiful yeah. pornographic doujinshi that was laid out really beautifully. Like, <laughs> well, Leah's one of those social nexus type people where, you know. For better or worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. In our high school, you were the anime dealer. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I talk about, we talk about the, uh, the promoted <laughs> fangirl thing, but like, I was a promoted fangirl because like, 
Well, I got into anime and manga because Leanne had all the hookups and I like mooched off of her and like gave her rides because I had like a lot of <laughs> yeah, access you had a to car. my family's car. Don't don't undervalue Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I took us to go over to the Dragon's Lair and rent Ranma VHSs, you know. So, <laughs> but then I can be like, hey, you, I like the cut of your gym. Tokyo Pop just sent me a big check. You want a party? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you bankrolled and I drove. Yeah, like in an entourage. <laughs> Which actually, I that reminds me. So how did you get your job, Rebecca? Well, okay, I got my job with uh, Tokyo Pop because Lan was really, really sick and needed to outsource. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a period of time where she was going to where uh, you were you were in grad school and. The, the Slayers novels kept happening, oh, and it was like a big disaster. And I'd actually been sort of uh, Leanne's unofficial editor for a long time, like back when you were writing like Children of the Sky. Oh god! I, I, yeah, I edited. When I, was a teenager. I did my very first editing job, which was shit on Rain, I think, mm. which was your very first novel when you were sixteen, 16 and you yeah. self print, you printed it at like it's a terrible. little printer. Don't look it up. I found my copy of it not that long ago. No. I should put pictures on the internet no, to like. It's really bad. <laughs> you were like a baby and you wrote a novel you know but no i mean i appreciate that it's really bad don't look these things up but but this is how you start right that like we started (laughs) because and this is like it's adjacent to a promoted fangirl but she had always helped me because she was my friend she would help me on these books and then i'd go to her i'd be like i need an opinion on this blah 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 and there were certain books that i worked on like in manga like, because you hated Sailor Moon. This oh, almost yeah. kept us apart. I know. For years and years, I was not into Sailor Moon. I, I <laughs> yeah. thought it was dumb. I'm sorry. Uh, you're dumb. There. Anyway. But then... <laughs> yeah, probably. But but then you had raw Fushigi Yugi OVAs. And I was like a really big fantasy novel nerd. Like, yeah. really big. Like, I read so much stupid fantasy shit that was like really bad. But I loved it because it had like magic in it. And... Uh, <laughs> Hmm. Sorry, I don't mean to be really belittling about magic, but my like tastes have like totally changed hmm. now. And I so a lot of the stuff I was into when I was young, I look back at it and I'm like, Again, Ooh. please do not associate us with the children Ooh. we once were. Yeah, at least my work isn't out there with my name on it. Sorry. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> uh that's that's the advantage to being like really shy about posting online when you're young. I don't have all my like, you know, like teenage crushes and, and uh Sonicos. Hmm. What was that? Large collection oh, of okay. hmm. <laughs> Yep, my, my I, uh, any any uh, Sonic OCs or the equivalent are locked inside my head and forgotten now, thank God. Uh, so, but then yeah. when she got, so she started getting into manga mm-hmm. and then because I was usually, okay, 100% all the time behind on my deadlines, <laughs> um, she started doing a second draft on my stuff because she was reading a lot of the stuff that I was working on and liked it. And I'd be like, hey, I know you've read Sayuki. Can you just give a second pass on this to check my grammar and make sure that, you know, because you know what Sayuki's supposed to sound like. And she started doing that with me for years because I was really happy to not have to read something again after I'd done it. Because I'm like, I'm just, I don't have enough time. And then... Yeah, and I had a good grasp of grammar again because of all yeah, the fantasy novels I'd been reading, yeah. you know, so... But eventually she started doing more and more. I started outsourcing. She was my ghostwriter for a lot of shit. <laughs> like, Rebecca's got quite a... If you <laughs> actually find out how many books yeah. you worked on, you worked on a lot oh, for me. Oh, man, yeah. I, I mean, like, we can say this now because Tokyo Pop's going under, so we're not going to, like, get in trouble for it or yeah, anything. But, true. like, I did, I did some... Can I say what series I worked on? Yeah, no. sure, why not? I did a lot of Rave Master. I did some yeah. Fruits Basket. I did some, uh, not just a little bit of Fruits Basket. You did Kamichama uh, Karen. Kamichama Karen. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Happy Cafe, but your name oh, was actually Jesus, on that. Oh, Jesus, Happy Cafe. Ooh. Oh, Oof, that comic no. was. 
when when Tokyo Pod we tell the story about yeah. Happy Cafe. <laughs> so I feel like we told this story when, maybe when we told Tokyo this. Pop the day Tokyo Pop shut down or announced they were shutting down and that we were gonna lose our jobs. The first reaction was, oh shit. The second reaction was, does that mean I don't have to turn in Happy Cafe Volume 10 tomorrow? Yeah, we were in the middle of working on it and it was <laughs> and just like just such torture. a slog. And they were like, hey, you know, we're, we'll, we'll, if you can just hand it in right now, we'll try to get you paid for it. And we're like, or we could just not, not do it. it. <laughs> like, no, I'm like, I was happy to take no money if I could stop you know, right now. They were, they were trying to be really good about it and like yeah, not yeah. screw us over, but we were also like, <laughs> I so could done. just not work on Happy Cafe anymore. Yeah, that comic became like like self mutilation. I'm like, please, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not worth any dollar amount in the world to work it's on. This so comic. many bubbles saying so little. Yeah. Anyway, it's not Sorry. that bad a comic. It was just horrible to work on. Yeah. Anyway, so but she ended up doing um, the Slayers novels. She yeah. helped on um, Scrap, Scrap Princess. Princess. I did she a wrote, full book of Scrap Princess novel. that never saw the light of day. Never got published. I yeah. was really proud of that too. Yeah, you did a really good job on it. Uh. <laughs> um, so this is another case where it was kind of like, and now she works, you have a lot of stuff actually under your credit. She works for Seven Seas. Seven Seas and now Hive and, Works I just started. And, and we just finished a job for Sony, Sony which I, we can start, we can't talk about, talk about yet because it's not released, but we did do a project for Sony and your name is going to be. Yeah, there. I got to go so, to the, uh, the, the PlayStation Sound Studio and like. And be an audio director. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was freaking amazing. Yeah. And, uh. It was I'm so jealous. cool. One day we'll be able to talk more about that. I know. It's coming out soon, so. So cool. Yeah. But, it, you know, again, it happened because she was reading and enjoying the same shit. And, like, there happened to be a job and you were good at it. So why wouldn't you hire somebody yeah. who actually likes but it? But also it was because somebody who was working with them knew to ask us. Yeah, yeah, that too. Well, there was, there were a lot of people, um, like, there have been times where I went into uh, like a, a company or something and they were like oh well you do this one job and I was like yes and I'll do that job and they're like do you have friends <laughs> they'll actually ask me they're like do you know anybody else who will work on this because <laughs> I don't usually apply for jobs unless I kind of know what I'm talking about and they're like yeah we really need a staff and you clearly come from a part of the industry that knows how to handle this who do you have I'm like here's my list and like it, so it's not even just me always promoting people although there are certain people that i really promote but people other companies they ask because they're like you know a lot of people who are freelancers have buddies who are freelancers and again thankfully because in this industry most of us are friends we're like yes i would also like to get my friends a job you know and it rarely happens where i would be giving somebody a job like if there's a job i really want i will apply for that job first if i'm not a right fit i'll be like maybe this person you know (laughs) or if i can't take it i'll certainly be like this person but even if there's a job where I lose to somebody else, they'll, they might recommend me for a job in the future. So it's like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this one passed, this one didn't. And I knew there was a guy at Tokyo Pop back in the day who was like criticizing some of the freelancers. He's like, you know, you shouldn't recommend these jobs to your friends. You're not going to get that job. And we all looked like him, like he'd grown a second head. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Be like mean to my coworkers by like hiding jobs. First of all, there's no way you can do every job, freelance job in the world. You just can't. No. There, it's the feast or famine thing. There are times where I am desperate for freelance and I will not pass over jobs because I need the money. There are times where I have so much freelance, I can't even handle my own stuff, let alone anything new they come to me with. So get somebody that you kind of trust and then you work with. And yeah, be fangirls. Keep in touch with these people. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of those pieces of advice people give that, like, you know, don't, if you're trying to sort of break into the industry, don't suck up to the people above you. Make friends with the people at your level. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because it's true. Like, somebody's going to get their break and they're going to take you with them if you show that you can do the job and that you're a cool person to work with and you're not going to be, like, a big pain in the ass. Yes, you know? absolutely. And also, 
Yeah, when you're talking to editors, uh, polite, well-spaced out reminder emails are always a good thing. <laughs> That's the thing from Leah's, <laughs> Leah's job. She uh, knows about that uh, yeah. real well. <laughs> Zoe, I know you have a couple stories about this. About polite, well-spaced out no, reminder emails? No, about promoting emails, fangirls. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you probably know about that too. But Yeah, well, the, the I actually um, was thinking about this topic because I was, you know, earlier on, like, oh, and you're like, oh, what should we talk about? I was like, well, the one thing I know everybody said uh, may or may not be on the podcast has in common was this this factor. But um, I've also been thinking about it a lot because the Adventure Zone just is this, for those of you who don't know, is this podcast where the McElroys play D&D and then they record it. And it's very funny. And it's sort of become this this whole thing with a whole fandom and a whole force behind it. And they were, I believe they were approached to adapt it into a graphic novel. And they were like, oh, well, who who's going to do this? And they picked the artist. They picked Carrie, last name I can't remember or pronounce, I don't think. Uh, she was hired at least partially because she did Adventure Zone fan art. Like she was an active, fairly popular member of the Adventure Zone fandom. Mm. And they were like, oh, well, Carrie does really good work. And we already know how Carrie draws the Adventure Zone characters, and we Mm. like it. So that led to Carrie becoming the artist for the Adventure Zone comic adaptation. So beautiful. Well, that was pretty much what happened with you. That happened a lot with some people we know with Homestuck. Yeah, Homestuck did a lot Uh, of that. So we have a very interesting story about Homestuck, which you may or may not have said before, but um, Angela, who also goes by Guzusuru online, she is this... um, self-taught artist who did this incredible fan animation of Homestuck called uh, In the Time of Gods? Was something like that? Oh, I don't remember. It was neat. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. a hand-done animation that was like, I don't know, a couple minutes long maybe? It was it was pretty long um, that she had been working on and it went super viral. Like, super viral. Um, it was fantastic. And at one point she had mentioned, oh, I'm interested in doing freelance and I fucking jumped on her. I was like, hey, can I hire you for literally anything? Like, I was so excited to hire her for anything. So the first thing we did to kind of lock her down is I was like, can, can I hire you to do a, like, a 10-second animation for Tokyo Demons for a promotional thing? Which we have. It's on YouTube. You can see it. Um, and she's like, yeah, okay, I'll use this as an opportunity to kind of see what I should charge. Because she, like, undercharged me. And then she's like, ah. and I'm like, let me give you a little, a little more money. <laughs> like, because I agree. I think you undercharged me. And she's like, maybe next time I'll ask for more. I'm like, yes, definitely. Oh, well, next time, ask for more. Li- not to interrupt the story, but, like, literally every freelancer yeah, has that. that. They're like, this is reasonable. And they're like, oh, shit, this takes yeah. way more time than I thought. Yes. <laughs> I like to have a little buffer, like, bonus money, I call, where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you you undercharged me. I didn't really correct you because I also wasn't sure how you would work, but you're doing a good job, so here's a little bit more. <laughs> I think that's fair. So she did that. And then I was really anxious to to lock her down more than that. Because I was like, this this girl is going places. And she's kind of new in her career. So there was a book. There was a book I wanted her to illustrate. And we didn't get the rights to the book. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah. shit, I want to get her a job. I want her to get her a job. So we put her on a wake. Yeah. She so did she the did the illustrations for a wake. For a wake. And she did really job such a good job on. She was also happened to have a really good style that we're like, yes, this will totally mesh. Um, but I had originally had her earmarked for this book that we couldn't land. Um, and then Homestuck, the, the what's the name of the game? Hive Mill? No, no, that's that's the hive. That's the hive store. Uh, hive <laughs> bent. Hive bent. Okay. So hive. so hive bent was hiring in Brooklyn. One of the people who was hired in that team was Emily Compton, who wrote Dusk and Kalevia for us. She was a, a she worked in the game industry already, 
And I knew that she worked in like IndyCut and she got hired by that. And then she said, she came back to me and she said, you know, they're looking for a 2D animator. And they were talking about that girl who had that animation that went like viral, that they really liked it. Did she work for you guys? I'm like, oh shit, I cannot recommend her enough. She's really great. Yes. Can I endorse her? Here's her email. Talk to her. Absolutely hire her. And she got hired for that. And she did the final animation of the Homestuck comic. Yeah. Like that long animation. Uh, that was her. So that was a really weird roundabout promoted <laughs> fangirl. Because we hired her because we liked what she did in Homestuck. And then we pushed her as much as we could to legit work in Homestuck. Even though they were also trying to recruit her. So that yeah. was kind of a perfect... Ma- meshing up. Yeah, like, but everybody like, that's was the happy. thing. Like the industry's full of that weird crap. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like we don't we don't know like you know Andrew Hussey like or anything like that. But like we're all in the same mm. circles and stuff. Yeah. You know? Did you never meet him? Because he used to do TCAF before he got really no. big. No. But I've met Ryan North, who's friends with him. Oh, so it's all yeah, like, it's like yeah. one degree of separation. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. fair enough. Because like I've run signings for some of these people, you know? Like when yeah. I was into Beguiling. And... But then several people we worked with worked on the game. So yeah, it was like one degree of separation. So even if you're really, <laughs> we have really nothing to do with Homestuck and never have. But we're sharing a lot of the same people because they're great people. Why wouldn't you share them? And they all like, you know, in the same way that we really enjoy Homestuck and a lot of people yeah. who read Homestuck like Sparkle. Well, it's, it's like, like... There, there's this Brooklyn crew and our friend Kat. We met a bunch of them at, a, at her wedding. Oh, and like, yeah. yeah. So just... that was true too that like <laughs> one of my friends from middle school who was kind of in the, in the industry a little bit as well had a wedding and she said, I'm going to sit you down at a table of people I think you'll like. One of the people at that table was Emily Compton and the other was Conrad, I can't think of his last name, who formed Date Naito. Um, which led into all of that stuff. So it was like, and, and then through Date Noito, we met other people yeah. who Zoe also knows. And we we got closer to Zoe through, you know, like yeah. mutual friends. So it was very interesting to, to and I, I'm not even sure how she knew those people. I think from school? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Just, it was really weird that within a year we were working with kind of both of them. And I didn't even, when Emily Compton pitched to us, I didn't know that was the same girl I'd met at the wedding. I was just no. like, fuck, I love this book. Can yeah. I buy it? Well, that was the whole thing where I was like reading the prose and I was like, shit. What? <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you so sure you're was... pitching a sparkler in like year <laughs> one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, I felt, you know, the same, a similar happened kind of to Jen Grunigan that everyone, I, don't, I do it less now because, you know, sparkler is not in its infancy, but I, I used to really Google search stuff. So people that were talking about Sparkler, people that were talking about Toki Demons, people that were talking about one of our creators or one of our series or whatever the case is. When your fandom is small, I Google searched the shit out of that because I wanted to know what people were saying because the feedback is so spread out. You know, there's not much of it. And she had been talking on her blog about the, the book she wanted to pitch to Sparkler, which was eventually became Skyglass. And she's like, oh, but it's really weird. And she was describing it. And I think I sent her a message and I was like, please pitch me this. <laughs> Uh, I really want to read it. And then, you know, we went through a bunch of rounds because that had to be pretty heavily revised. But and then somebody in the manga industry came to me and was like, I need blah, 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 somebody to do this job. And I was like, I got the person for you. Her name is Jen Grunigan. <laughs> I was like, please hire her for this thing, whatever. And I think she got that job. And like, and these things, you know, they, they snowball. So it was literally her talking about Sparkler on her blog that made me find her. I think she I think she was planning to pitch anyway, since she was mentioning us. Mm-hmm. Just stupid. Sh- that's yeah. how I found Romy. Because mm. I, I think I was Google searching Demons or was tagged or something in um, in Tumblr. And I was like, shit, this art, this girl's really good. I want to, uh, mm. and I needed something. I think I was, oh. I wanted to buy a piece of art for one of our big fangirls because she was such a huge supporter mm-hmm. that she had done a really beautiful fanfic. And I wanted to basically buy a piece of fan art of her fanfic and give it to her. And I was like, okay, Romy, 
do you think you could do this? And Romy did such a fucking great job. I don't know if any, it's a, we don't use this picture that often, although it's out there. It's a picture of Icy turning into the insects. Behind her are Joe with black wings and Kata with white wings. <laughs> it was like, can I want to oh, see it, this? it's somewhere on my Tumblr. I, I mean, we, we used this. the picture of Joe with the wings, I think, on the back of the cherry bomb cover. Mm-hmm. Like, it showed up in a couple of, I've never seen Oh, it's this. wonderful. I will show it to you after. Yeah, we'll, we'll dig it up. But, yeah, but, uh, thank you. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking about because we were talking to Romy recently, and uh, uh, Romy, I can't even show anyone yet, but she's doing like some some uh, character designs for this project that like yeah. a couple of us are working <laughs> on, and I'm so, so excited good. about it. They're so good, and it's just like well, other jobs that Romy has done. For example, when Romy found out we were doing sparklers, she did chibis of all the leaves. <sighs> Those chibis were so great, just because she was like. I like it. It's fun. Or, and then she put it on her tumble. I'm like, shit, can we use these? Like, I think we used them like at our table. Like we had like a, a booth and we just like put Romy's chippies all over yeah. them. They were such great art. Actually, Kaiju did awake fan art way oh, back yeah, in the day. Shit, I forgot about that. Oh, man. They came to our table. They're like, we like awake. We drew you this picture. I'm like, shit. And then they were like, we're also pitching to you. I'm like, send it along. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. And also, Roby did one of our first covers. So back in the first two years of Sparkler, we had unique color covers for every issue, which unfortunately we had to scale back. Yeah, on, so I missed that. It was it just a, yeah, it was a financial thing. Yeah, but um, she did a guest piece for Gauntlet. This was like issue eight, I think. So it was a long, you know, a long time ago that I said I want a cover that looks like a Cosmo cover, except it's in a dungeon. <laughs> And she did a fucking great job. <laughs> that, that way that like the models always stand with their hair blowing back and they've got like one shoulder kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. I, Except I she's like tearing through this beautiful dress to show like jeans and hooker boots on her. Because this whole thing about in Gauntlet about how she had like these jeans and like really great hooker boots. But at one point she was like a masquerade ball and everything goes to hell. And she's like, fuck this dress. You know, one of those great kind of romance novel moments. So we did it only it was styled like a Cosmo cover. But the background is a guy... There's a bars and there's what's his name Chance mm-hmm. reaching through the bars and screaming at her. I'm like, this is amazing. This is. Ex- Oops. I'm gesticulating wildly. <laughs> just screaming so much. <laughs> yeah. it's, not it's, it's just like fucking Romy. Yes, very good job. It's just what I wanted. So I remember that art. Yeah. It was really good. I like. I yeah. like that one too. Actually, very like yeah. in your face Romy's in a good done way. A lot of kind of side projects. She did. She worked on Out of Sync. She did that really great chibi art. Uh, she was. I think she did flats on that. She was doing chibis. Yeah, yeah, she did the flats for all yep. of the colors. She did the keychain. And mm-hmm. she did that super Yeah, cute. she's going to... Oh, she just agreed, by the way. She's going to do the Toki Demon's keychain as well. Oh, nice. After that, um, we're going to have a vote what pairing is going to be making kissy faces at each other or And something. she's also the lead artist on the super <laughs> secret project. Yes, she's also the lead artist on super secret game project as well. <laughs> so we, we like to use Romy as much as we can. <laughs> and, you know, all our people. You know, we, I know we've said this so many times, but if you like something, please tell the creator. Because, again, this is how we hired a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, like, I, th- I think, I think the, the main point here is that, like, it's, you know, because I feel like some people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, it's all just who you know. It's all just who you know. But we all met through fandom. Yes, and absolutely. And as somebody who's, like, really, I mean, I know I'm really loud on these podcasts, but I'm pretty shy about talking to people I don't know. And it's really hard sometimes, but like that's kind of how you do it. Yeah, you know. And I mean, like you you post on people's fanfics, you offer to beta read them. You know, yeah. you like. Or I mean, quite <laughs> frankly, if you look at Rebecca and I as a pair, because we've been best friends since we were like we met in elementary school, but we've been best friends since like high school. She kind of we were friends. I got the jobs and then I passed them to her. 
So you don't necessarily, less so now, now she can get her own jobs. But like in the early days, like, so you, if you're really shy, but you have an extroverted <laughs> fangirl buddy. Oh yeah, but I mean, Leanne's really good at getting people jobs. That's like a real skill. Sorry. Mm. Just, I don't know Thank if you. I should be advertising that. But I mean, you got me my job at the library when I was like oh, yeah. 16. And you know what I mean? Like, you've got me I a lot like of- getting people work. <laughs> just keep that in mind, people who work for me. If you need work, just let me know. <laughs> I'll keep an eye open for you. But yeah, that, that's the other thing that is like, like you said, you can beta. Mm-hmm. You can be a fan. You can just, you, quite frankly, you can just like, if, if talking to them on Twitter is too awkward and stuff, write about it on your blog. You know, you don't have to, like, directly... Maybe they'll find it, maybe they won't. I found Jen Grunigan through that. I found Romy through that, cause just because they were talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, like, especially if the fandom is small. Mm. <laughs> or get a buddy who's really loud and, and pair up with them and do stuff. Because I will say that one of the biggest benefits... This is a little bit off-topic, but not totally. Is that part of the reason Beck and I have been able to work for so many companies and do so many projects and largely run Sparkler. Not entirely, but we're, you know... Is because we've always been a team. So it's so much easier to do things in a team. Mm. And this is why a lot of people who are buddies and fan, you know, why a lot of artists and, and writers and editors and people in the industry know each other is because there's, <laughs> there's always more work than can get done. There's always more work than, you know, there's good pay for and stuff. So you kind of share the burden a little bit, but that also makes you do a project together. It's more fun when somebody's there. Mm. It's like the idea, okay, I'm going to work for $10 an hour doing this thing for 40 hours straight. And like, you know, I'm going to put it out and all the fans are going to hate the way that I adapted this. This has happened many times. <laughs> um, or it can be like, well, you know, we split it 20 hours, 20 hours, but we did it together and we had fun. And now we can talk about it for the rest of our lives and make fun of how terrible that project oh, was. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it was we, a bonding we, experience. Yeah, we can be pretty, uh, I mean, like, oh God, when we were in high school, we used to go to Borders and make fun of the romance novel covers and the fantasy novel mm. covers yeah, and Eight did. Corner, the Unicorn Girl. and Yeah, didn't Anne McCaffrey have a hand in that? Eight Corner? Yeah, that was her thing. Yeah. She wrote yeah. that. Sorry. Yeah. She wrote guys, that. I know the thing. I love I'm sorry. I never read Eight Corner, the Unicorn <laughs> Girl, but it was just such a ridiculous title. We were too old. We were I too old. It. Yeah. It's a very ridiculous series. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I was I was I was really young when I picked that book up though, and I was like, "This is the best title ever." (laughs) We were like, we were like Darius style late '90s teenagers at that point. So uh, I was really into unicorns. I was like in elementary or middle school. Fucking best. I was in high school also, but I was just like, "This sounds ridiculous." But I also liked Anne McCaffrey (laughs) anyway, and I was like, "Well." I'm signing up for this That's concept. Fair. I mean, like, if I you mean, like she's Anne a huge name, yeah. so you know, it's not like this was coming onto the market from nowhere. At that point, I think we were making fun of Anne McCaffrey anyway, because I, I kind of liked her, but one of our yeah. friends I think hated her, and I was like, well, I'm kind of on the. F- I liked a couple books I read of hers, but I can see why how they got out of, off the rails because <laughs> they're like, oh, you read like Dragon Singer? They're like, yeah, that was kind of the last good one. <laughs> but then we found Truly Madly Viking, which is a romance novel, yeah. and like, yeah. <laughs> That is a brilliant title, by the way. I will remember well, it forever. Yeah. I don't know who wrote that book or what it was about. But... And Pregnesia. <laughs> Pregnesia. Was <laughs> Officer Cowboy a real title or were we made up? <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> it could be. I just remember saying Officer Cowboy either. in that yeah. voice like a lot. Hmm. I'm sorry, guys. This got off the rails. This podcast went a little nuts. No, telling right. them about how people get jobs in this industry. Um <laughs> be friends with me. Be friends with me. <laughs> well, that's one way. That's <laughs> certainly not the only way, but you know. No, but yeah. I mean, like that's the whole thing. Like, like do good work 
get over your fear of talking to people you don't know, which some of I know many of you have, and I I and I feel you so much in that. Well, the internet's made that a lot easier. That you you're like still going, <laughs> going to. Although there's some people who even come to us at tables and introduce themselves. Um, as long as you're not like obnoxious about it, that's actually pretty good too. Um, I, I sort of like when somebody is polite and like, oh, I really like this stuff, and uh, and uh, yeah. And then yeah. follow up. Yeah, especially if they follow up, because like I'll, I'll they'll hand me something at a con and I'll forget about Oof, it. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I'll you, lose it. <laughs> if, if you hand us something at a con and then you're like, oh, they didn't write me back. Don't. Yeah. It means it's at the bottom of like you know yeah, yeah. The, some the con box. Or yeah, the like con box. The it doesn't box get unpacked yeah. and then. It's well, the uh, I, she's not here. I kind of wanted her to be on this podcast, but that's absolutely how we hired Pachi. She liked Tokyo Demons. And, and honestly, she liked Tokyo Demons when everybody had stopped reading it. <laughs> so I was like, this one girl is talking about Tokyo Demons. And I don't remember how I reached out or she reached, whatever the case was. But I was like, thank you. <laughs> I really needed that because I really don't want to write anymore. <laughs> um, and she had done, she was doing fan fiction and stuff. And then I was... She she became an intern as well. Yeah, well, she specifically like she did it through her school. Yeah, she like she first. met because because you were such a success, Leah, that we were like, oh, I guess we'll do an internship again. But we didn't have anything formal. And I was talking to Pachi at some point, you know, uh, th- uh, you know, fangirling or whatever. And yeah, she's like, yeah, I could do it maybe through my. I was like, she's like, do you still take interns? Or I'm like, if you ever want to be an intern, talk to me. And she's like, actually, I'm kind of interested. Something like that. And then her school called me and was like, <laughs> would you fill out this paperwork? I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. I think actually it might have been a reference at her current job too, because that's the oh, thing. Oh, I've like, had references for, for a, a lot of people. people yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's the one. I, I know people say don't do things for exposure, and like I totally get where that comes from. But part of what you're doing in a lot of jobs is building your resume. So in the same way that I would feel guilty paying for certain jobs, people who have been in the industry forever, <laughs> like some people, are like can I work for you? I'm like, no, I can't pay you anything. It'd be worth. If you're kind of young and getting started, it's like you, I think, would actually benefit from this job in in a lot of different ways. A, I, there's a lot I think we can teach you. B, I think we can really help you get more jobs down the line in, in this industry if this is kind of your break-in. So that's sometimes what I look for. There have actually been people I turned away who were too qualified, for sure. I'm like, nope, you don't you don't want to work here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, thank you, though. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, if a project comes up, I'd be happy to. And there are a few people who were like, either I made them an offer or they're like, this is my rate, and I'm like, I can't afford that, good to know. I know at least one or two people I went back, and I'm like, now I have the money. You want to do it? And they're like, yep. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> That's fine. And this was actually a big conversation that happened. I mean, quite frankly, it happens like every three weeks on Twitter. But the most recent version of this conversation, talking about why you would work for a company, you know, the the sort of like the pay versus the passion, you know, the, the don't do it for exposure thing. Like, there are different reasons why people do things. And there are people who... This job that I recommended for them, either for Sparkle or for something else, it's like, no, that's not worth your time, probably. Or if they look at it, they're like, not worth my time. I'm like, fair enough. And there are other people where it's like, this job is bad for you, but maybe good for somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. And as long as you're kind of like open, you talk to people and you are polite and not like, I really hate people who somebody, you know, you're talking with them and you're negotiating and they're like, no, I just, I can't work for that much or, or I can't do that or I don't like the rights deal or whatever the case is. And you're like, okay, no hard feelings. Best of luck. If they go then and publicly trash you on Twitter, I'm like, yeah, that 
that's nasty. I don't want to work with you. <laughs> that's really not a professional thing to do. But as I've noticed, thankfully, is that most people, when you treat them like that, they don't do that mm. <laughs> because they know that you're not, you were not trying to, you know, steal all of their work for no money. It's just like, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Cause it's like, if Marvel lowballs someone, it's like, come on guys, you're Marvel. But you know, for a publisher like us, it's like, well, <laughs> we're like very carefully doling out the page rates to people yeah. because we just like, you know, we've lost money on a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, like if it doesn't earn the money back, it's like, of course your work is valuable, but it's also sort of valued at what the market will pay for. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That no, it sounds really bad. This is the no, thing, no, no, like, but there's not a lot, there's not a huge market out there, but that's why somebody like a promoted fangirl, it's like, if I think you would have a good job, a, a good time here, there's something that you can leave this job with. Like if it's either an entry into the industry, um, something for you to learn. If you're, you know, because I think in Pachi's case, she got college credit for that internship. Yeah. Um, if there's something that I, or I'll get you a job the next time it comes up. Because that has happened a bunch of times. Mm. There are people I had to turn down or just I didn't, either I had to turn them down through like submissions or something or just, you know, their job ended or whatever. And it's like something came up. I'm like, no, this person, you want to hire this person. They mm. got hired and stuff. Like that's something that, we can offer you. And oh, if that's still not good enough, uh, really, no problem. Yeah. I totally respect people who are like, I can't do that. And I've, I've had the same interactions with other companies where I'm like, I can't do it for that money. I can't do it, whatever. And as long as they're like, okay, then I'm not going to talk shit about them because no. it's like, it's business, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, uh, you know, I, I know this is a little off topic, but like I've had, I've ranted about this on Twitter, so I guess I'll put it here too. But the idea that getting rejected or not getting hired is not does not mean your work is bad. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, particularly when it comes to, like, you know, because obviously when you're... It's one thing to, like, get fired... Not fired, but, like, you know, it's one thing to get turned down from an editor position because it's just, you know, who knows why. Yeah. But when it's, like, your comic or something and it's, like, a little piece of your soul and you're just, yeah. like, you know, you're really attached to it and it's your characters you've been working on forever and someone just sort of turned it down. But, like, you know, it's, like we have a lot of those people in the back of our minds for things. Yes, you know, there absolutely. Are, there yeah. are people who have been in submissions since like round one who we still sort of have on the back burner if a project comes up. And it's yeah. sort of, I mean, I feel really bad actually about one or two of there, them. There are a couple of people. <laughs> there are a couple of people who pitched to us a bunch of times mm -hmm. and <laughs> God, nothing is fit, but I'm thinking about you constantly. <laughs> like there, there's going to be something. I, I pray that someday there will be a job. And one of them, I think, there was somebody that I recommended. It's a Sony. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't oh, know if they yeah, got hired, okay. but like it was literally 18 steps above Sparkle. And I'm like, I think you want to hire them. <laughs> because, because sometimes that, that's how it works, right? That it's like. I've pitched every yeah, time. Yeah, you definitely pitched a lot. Well, I mean, we worked with you on some stuff so far. Not, not as much as I would like to work with you. But it's not like we haven't worked together at all. Um, you know, different projects come. Different projects come and go. We're, we're <laughs> I don't want to make this sound like we're, you know, super. I don't know. We think about you guys a lot. Like, yeah. I think it's funny how people, you know, they joke about sort of, I don't know, cold, uncaring <laughs> companies <laughs> or just like, oh, it's business and it's all about the bottom line. It's about money. It's like, okay, well, that's <laughs> really not true for Sparkler. Well, okay. But also Spark Sparklers had to make some hard business decisions yeah, we for have. sure. There's a we lot have. of stuff that we wanted to do that we're like, well, we can't though, because it's not going to sell. So like, it doesn't matter how much we love it. We can't do it. But at least us and somebody, you know. And, and even when I was early in the industry, when I was a kid, I am constantly thinking about the people I like, the people I admire, the people I've worked with. Um, you you know, you leave an impression on someone. Yeah. And the fangirls, too. Because, again, oh my I hired several of our fangirls. It's like, if you are a good person, 
and you share passion with people and want to make them happy? Because that was the other thing. Like, if you're a fucking troll, I'm never going to fucking hire you. I don't care how much you love this one particular thing and everyone else can go to hell. It's like, if you're like, hey, I really liked your suit. This is, okay, I'm going to give a little piece of advice out there. This is for people who want to break into the industry, okay? This is my most effective mean for getting in with somebody. If they are a creator, read their work. And this also includes things like uh, people like editors who worked on something. Read something that they did. Talk to them. Sometimes you have to initiate the conversation, although, you know, or if it's through submissions. Tell them something specific you liked about what they did and why. So it's like, for example, if there's somebody I really like and, you know, some people I'm just, I'm already a huge fan of. So it's like a million things I could tell them off the bat. Like I've been dreaming about working with you forever. But for other people, it was like somebody who was recommended to me or came down the pipeline or whatever. And I sit and I read all their stuff and I'm like, boy, this person is really good at writing female characters going through an issue or, or they're very good at doing a sense of scale. Like, like, I really like the way they do their setting. I really like that, you know, like, mm -hmm. they've got such a robust kind of Miyazaki-esque, like, ambiance to their work. And then when I talk to them, that's, like, the first thing I bring up. It's like, I am a really big fan of the way that you do this one thing. People fucking love this. And when people do it to me, because people have done it with me with Tokyo Demons, I'm like, I instantly like you. Because A, it shows you did your research. B, it shows you are interested in being a, a nice person. C, it is constructive uh, not even it's not even criticism this is don't come out of the gate being critical <laughs> that's dumb no. but like it's like there is something particular that I like and why so this is showing I am a fangirl of yours because I've thought about elements of what you did and I like it for the particular reasons so it shows that you kind of understand the elements of what went into that I highly recommend this guys and this is actually <laughs> not even if you're looking for just a job this is just how to be, be friends with like creators and other people in the industry because as we said sometimes you start as a friend and you get a job eventually whether or not you ever want a job you yeah. know this is how you start forming relationships and, you know, be a good fangirl. And to me, this is a low impact, low risk way to get on somebody's good side and to start a real conversation because there've been people I've done that with, whether or not it was for business reasons. Sometimes it was just, I was a fan and I really wanted to write them a fan letter and they immediately wanted to talk more. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I've been struggling with this. How do you feel about this character? It's like, well, you know, actually I thought this one was kind of better than this one insisting I liked this or blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, cause now you're, you're, you're communicating as fans. And creators. And hell, you're also, you're also thinking and talking critically about media, which is something I yes. didn't really talk about, but uh, we had our fan site, Sleep is for the Week, back in the day. Oh, God. And I mean, talking about me learning how to be an editor, that, was, that site was how I learned how to be critical about media. Yes. You know, you start um, looking at it in such a different way. Yes. So that, that's actually another good point about... See, this ended up becoming kind of how to break into the industry oh, conversation. Oh, God, yeah. But I don't know. Th they're all kind of connected. <laughs> I hope this is valuable to some I people. I really hope it's valuable and not, <laughs> but like, too cynical. Jesus. When we were early, early in my Tokyo Pop days, after the Sailor Moon novels, when that gig ended, I didn't get more work. But I was often talking to, like, Stu Levy. He'd be like, do you like this series? What do you think of this? You know, he would, he's like, here's my young person. <laughs> like, you were the official Tokyo Pop young person Yeah, and I kept in touch with him. I'm like, you know, you know, and I, I'd mention things. I'm like, oh, this series is really great. You guys ever thought about licensing it? So every once in a while, he'd either like, we went to dinner once or twice. He'd call me on the phone, stuff like that. Or I'd end up on the phone with one of their editors and they'd be like, tell me what the kids are reading. <laughs> I'd be like, what's yes, dabbing? Huh? What's dabbing? And yeah, like, exactly. Basically. They were a little, I was doing a little bit of unofficial youth consulting work for Tokyo Pop back in like the year 2000. There, I couldn't get, I was trying to get more work from them and I just couldn't get it. And I was like, you know, I feel like, you know, I have a lot of opinions <laughs> and I have very few credits, you know, cause the Sailor Moon novels was kind of a thing. So I talked to the bunch of friends, Rebecca was one of them. And I said, do you guys want to do like a review site where we do kind of critical, you know, stuff? 
This was around 2002, I think. And it's not like there weren't critical. I mean, everybody like had review blogs of some sort. But I said, if we do this, I wanted to do really organized way of doing it so that it's more than just like ranting on your Facebook wall or something. Like, I'll give out assignments. We'll decide kind of a good, uh, a good spectrum of stuff to review. Let's also develop the system. How are we going to review it? And one of the things that we reviewed was the fandom of a series. I'm still kind of proud of that idea, <laughs> that there would be a section for a lot of these big reviews on the fandom. And it's like, what is good about this fandom? And here are recs for stuff that we really liked. Um, it required kind of a lot of research. Oh, so we yeah. ended up dropping that, th- those long reviews, we ended up dropping them over time because we just didn't have time. But it was, it was something where I was like, I want to build our cred in the industry a little bit by proving that yeah. we kind of know what. This was also pre-Wikipedia, so this information yes. was hard to, it wasn't all in one place. Yeah, that was it too. We wanted to have really comprehensive reviews. So I'm like, I want, I want to do this in a way that's not just us rambling, but I want you to think about it. And we had a bunch of smart people who are friends that we would always talk about this shit while watching it, you know, complaining about it or whatever. And Rebecca was one of the writers on there. And as we did this, we were like, we were forcing ourselves to learn better. Like, what makes a good review? You know, like, <laughs> let, let's talk about this. And we did this dumb site and, and we worked on it. And we worked really hard on it oh, for like God. a couple of years. And then we just kind of didn't have time. Yeah, we just kind of half And we were like, eh, whatever. But, oh my God, that website. Like, <laughs> the number of people I met in the industry who were like, oh yeah, I've been reading Sleep It's the Week forever. I'm like, what? <laughs> like that thing that we do like one review every six months on and we're always <laughs> like, oh, we'll do more later and we never do it and stuff. But it was like, it was just because we had done it for so long and we were like specifically trying to kind of give to the community, do one sort of thing, blah, 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 whatever the case is. So that's another thing there. It's like, we wanted to be part of the conversation and we put a lot of effort into kind of being organized about joining the conversation without being invasive because- we didn't, like, there was at one point where I think we ended up getting picked up by the manga blogosphere. But for many years, there were a lot of reviews floating around and nobody was really, well, we didn't know if people were paying attention. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even have, like, Google Analytics back then, so I, I don't know. I mean, I got some <laughs> comments on the site occasionally. There was a review I wrote about S.A. Are you are you guys familiar with that stupid shoujo S.A.? That's called Special A. Oh, yeah. God, I forgot about that. Yeah. So we always yeah. had open comments on our site. I, Sasha yeah, knew it was bad. Book. You know, yeah. it was one of these, like, fly-by-night shitty shoujo that ran, like, it had, like a lot of, like, school hierarchy stuff in it. Yeah, like, anyway. So, so many things from back then. Yeah, so there was an anime that came out in a manga and <laughs> it was like a mini review so it was just like a couple paragraphs about how essay was terrible and of all because we left comments over which i really liked i have never for like four years people would come into that comment and be like how dare you say that you stupid bitch and somebody else would come in and be like you're the bitch essay is fucking terrible and somebody would come in and be like essay is good for the following reasons i am not kidding that four years I did not touch that review. And people kept coming, <laughs> joining it, finding it, and entering this in the comment section debate about whether or not essay was pure garbage. Oh, God. Because there was no nuance. <laughs> no. Like, you were on one side or the other. And I didn't comment. I didn't even fucking comment. It just kept going. And I was like, what is happening? I mean, it got to like 45 <laughs> comments. And I was like, guys, like, shut up. No one cares. Well, that was like the debate about whether or not Death Note was sexist, oh, and oh, the responses bad. were either "Not at all." Oh, How God. could you imply such a thing? Or that comic is so sexist it has no value. And we're like, guys, nuance, nuance, maybe. <laughs> well, my argument was that it was kind of sexist, and everybody was on two sides. I'm like, do you see that the middle would be kind of sexist, which was kind of my point <laughs> that people would take this differently. <laughs> of course, I wasn't a very good feminist back then, so I wasn't, or, you know, I don't think I was articulating my my but argument still, very well. It was like, I mean, you know, we all know how the internet is not really a place for nuance <laughs> but this was not even like twitter this was like before any of us were on yeah, twitter and yeah. stuff it was this like was kind of almost pre-social media actually because a lot of this stuff was in like the mid-2000s so 
Like you had AIM and maybe Facebook back then, but it was back when people actually, you would discuss through the, the comment sections of mm -hmm. articles. But um, <laughs> yeah, because again, like and I, one of the things that we would do is we would review manga that came out. Sometimes we'd review the script or how, how it was adapted and stuff. So I think that's also how some people found us. So they'd be like, oh, people were either, you know, being positive or negative about your script. Try not to be too negative because I was like, these people might read it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do think you can be constructively critical without being a dick. Um, sometimes I was definitely a dick, but that was usually stuff where it was like, I was criticizing something an editor in Japan maybe had done 10 years ago. Yeah. So I, I like, mean, no like we were, gonna... we were snarky. Like a lot of reviewers, we got uh, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of our attention was from being snarky about things that were bad that we didn't like, which I mean, like, <laughs> to be totally honest, I kind of moved out of reviewing because I didn't like doing that yeah, that much yeah. anymore. You no, know? I mean, it's fair. It's fair. Particularly once you move out of your, like, snarky high school phase and then snarky early 20-something phase. People still ask and... me about Honey and Clover because I wrote, uh, <laughs> wrote a review about how I fucking hated everything about Honey and oh, Clover. Oh, God, yeah. And, and I don't know. People, I, but that one didn't offend so many people. Like, Why do you care so much? And I'm like, I just, for some reason, Honey and Clover really fucking rubbed me the wrong way. It was a timely thing. Anyway, that's really not here nor there. But that, that's another way to be, become part of the conversation um, and kind of get your in. That you can consume, but you can kind of join the industry even if you're just retooling how you consume. Either by talking to the creator, being part of the critical community, making friends through these things. All that stuff. I mean, there's so many ways to get an in, but... One way to really not get it in is to just jump in from another industry and go to somebody's table at a con and be like, hey, I work in Hollywood. You got a job for me? And it's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I did have one person who will remain nameless, and I wouldn't tell this story if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't something I'm sure that this person would never listen to. But when we started Sparkler, they were like, so how how can I work for Sparkler? Like like this very like, uh, so so tell me what I'm going to be doing yeah. to work with Sparkler. And it was like, well, we're not hiring. And <laughs> this is really presumptuous. And also you think I'm living in a city I'm not actually living in anymore. And I only kind of know you. And it was like a very weird, like... It was a man too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a man. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, not, you know, I was not uh, adding yeah. pronouns for whatever reason, but I was kind of like, is this how you ask for jobs, dude? <laughs> I mean, maybe. But I mean, I guess like it's one of those like tactics run by where like you kind of say like, women. <laughs> I'd like to discuss. I'd like to sit down with you and discuss what I'm going to be doing for your company. And I'm like, what? Yeah, no. I mean, that Nothing, kind of confidence no maybe works in some industries, but not, not in shoujo. Not. Not well, in comics, not with like... Not in comics in general, and also not if you're a man trying to work in a all-female space. No. <laughs> we're not all-female, because we were always like, no, no, we will absolutely hire men who get it. No, we've hired a couple And we of men. have hired men who get it. That's That was an example of a man who did not get it, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> For, particularly since he had no shoujo to his name. <laughs> Where it was like, okay. Yeah, it's okay. like if he had been like you know, had done a shoujo series or whatever, that'd be one thing, but... Yeah, and I mean, in the comics industry, there's always a couple of people who, like, you know, you get the people who they read up about sales, and they kind of, like... <sighs> oh, this is another, like, comics industry story from my time as, like, a, working at a retail job, and there was this one guy who he would just always come... He just, he couldn't draw the human body. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he couldn't draw it at all. <laughs> All his people, like, like I mean, this is terrible to say, but, like, I wasn't really sure if one of his characters was supposed to have, like, like some kind of 
disability or something just because of the way they were drawn and they were standing and he couldn't I don't think they were though when I read it and just mm. but like you know he would just he would he was relentless about coming yeah. into the store and getting us to you know carry copies of his thing and going to the libraries and having like a a reading so the library would order some copies and going and you know going to the conventions and selling his stuff and he was just so relentless about selling it so yeah he definitely sold some stuff but like he was never gonna make it because a people would you know give him 20 bucks here or there to like kind of get him to go away <laughs> and b he just didn't have the stuff yeah he like couldn't yeah i mean it was weird well you know actually spike has spoken on this before spike who runs iron circus mm-hmm. who's you should absolutely fucking follow her on Twitter. Oh, she's like God. the most interesting person on the internet. Oh yeah, like I'm I'm a little bit scared of her just because she's like such a badass. She is so nice. I know. <laughs> like if you talk to her, she's intimidating because <laughs> she's so incredible. But um, she also has the best taste in video games. Like, she does. Sorry, just as like an aside, she like does, go yeah. on her Steam account and like look at the her wish list yeah, play because all those it's like really good stuff. Anyway, we really love Spike, and she's super inspiring. And I, I always like she's got really interesting things always to say about the industry, um, especially since she's kind of always kind of done her own thing um, and has made it work. And I don't think all of the things that she has done can will work for everyone, but there there's a lot you can learn from hearing about how she did it. And one of the things that she said is you have to balance, because she's a very talented artist and writer as well. She's very, I should say skilled, because clearly she worked to get that way. She had said that an, an essential part of making comics your business, even if you're a creator, is hustle, is an element of that. So that thing that you were talking mm-hmm. about, those, that guy, you know, being in there, pushing things, blah, blah, blah. That is actually like a very important element. If you are oh, an artist yeah. and you don't do any of that, it's going to be very hard to get a job. But the other thing that she was saying is like, you also have to work on your skills. Like you can't hustle your way into anything <laughs> other than like a temporary gig. Yeah. And one of the things that you can do, and I've done this with people in the past, is if they have the passion, they have a decent skill set, but they're not quite, as Lillian says, ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're like, you're not there yet, but I think you will be eventually. Mm-hmm. Those people are good for other industry jobs. Like sometimes it's like, well, will you work with me? Will you be an editor? Will you be, uh, you know, will you work in marketing? Will you will you do this kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. I mean, sometimes an editor is its own very specific skill set. No, no, so, but there's some you know. jobs where it's like, it's almost like you just need a manager to run this project or something mm-hmm. and it's not super hard and it's like, but I really don't want to yeah. do it. <laughs> and there are some people who are like, for example, sometimes artists who might not be right for a particular project, project but have good design sense or mm-hmm. at the very least have design skills, will you lay this book out for me? Or even, it's not even necessarily that they're, like, bad at it, but it's just, like, I don't have an art job for you. But will you lay this book out for me? Yeah. Or will you do, you know, because there are plenty of people, it's like, I'd love to work with you. And some people, I can't afford them as no. an artist. <laughs> but I'd, like, I would love to work with you. Do you want to do something else over here? So sometimes, like, if they have a really good hustle, but the skill set isn't there for their original work, or somebody who has really good ideas, but they're not that good at getting it across or something, it's like, oh, yeah. maybe then you'd be a good editor. Or, you they're, know, stuff like or that. they're an incredible artist, but their writing is just not yeah, yeah. quite there. And then yeah, you team do. them up with somebody sometimes. Yeah, or, or, or do spot illustrations. For, yeah, yeah there, illustrations. There's a lot of stuff. So th- that hustle, I think, is an element. But and in the case of this guy, I would say you have to be willing to take jobs that are not... First of all, you got to work on your art. Secondly, you have to be willing to take jobs that are not just selling your one comic. Because your one comic is not selling. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, sometimes you got to kind of... You can't force it to happen, really. <laughs> I mean, I don't know this guy. This is very much like... You no, know, I, mean, I don't but, know who this guy is. Like, but I, 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 but I've run into people like that before. <laughs> that they think they yeah. can kind of hustle their work into success and it's yeah. like you can get it to very limited success well people who are like real you know they're the extroverts the ones who are really they're great at sales and yeah. that kind of a thing and i mean yeah it can take you a certain distance but uh yeah 
It can, but there's, and that's why I think also for any of these people trying to break into the industry, be open to those other jobs. Those are good ins. And I find also that getting some related jobs, some adjacent job or work, work, if you find an opportunity to work with people in the industry, you will fucking learn stuff. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of value to just kind of understanding where, where it is. Um, also, one of the things that you can learn by working with these people is sometimes if you work with somebody and then you become friends, they're like, okay, do you want real feedback on your work? So I'll give it to you if you think you can take it. And once you've developed a relationship with somebody, mm -hmm. sometimes you can do that. And it's like that feedback is super valuable, but it's you can't just take that out of the void. No, nobody. I, I say mm -hmm. this to somebody who's I can't fucking take somebody coming out of a crowd and being like, you know what's wrong with Tokyo Demons? I'd be like, fuck you. The problem is get out of my face. Like I, I, have, <laughs> I have literally no, I, I don't care what you have to say because you're not coming from a place where I trust you to actually have thought about this. But, but if when, I know you. Yeah, but when you're at my house and I'm yeah, asleep. Yeah, she yells at me all the time. And you wake me up to edit things. And I'm like, Leanne, I know it's four in the morning, but you have to rewrite the scene. <laughs> and you're like, God damn it, I hate you, Rebecca. Yeah. And then you do but it anyway. But that's okay. Yeah, so <laughs> like there's a lot of creative energy that you can gather just being around these people. And that is certainly how, you know, when I got that first editor at Tokyo Pop, my SAT verbal scores went way up. Just because I was working with editor, it was like, do you realize you always do this and this is improper grammar? And I'm like, fucking no, they didn't teach me that in school. They should have. <laughs> we <laughs> got, we got really bad grammar education really in our terrible, schools. Yeah. I don't know. It was like a weird like educational trend, but I didn't learn shit in school. No, and you know, I, and none of my editorial skills came from school. Um, and I, I took a I no, well, I took a class. And in college, they forced me to take, it was like a beginner level writing class. It was one of those like, hmm. you know, requirements I had to take. And I was like sitting there and I like, I didn't know the name of anything. I didn't know what the subjunctive was. I didn't know like. <laughs> and you were a professional copy editor. But I would just do, I would just, yeah. Like I was a professional copy editor and I was like, okay, the comma goes here, here, and here, not here. And I can't tell you and why. I can't tell you why. And I don't know what anything's called. So. <laughs> That's always true of grammar though. As a side note, I have noticed that most of the people who are particularly good with grammar could not honestly tell you what any of it is called. I sure did. Like, that's part yeah. of my job, and <laughs> I don't know what any of it is called beyond knowing enough for where to look and confirm that I'm right in the Greg reference. Oh, yeah, video. I mean, like, I, I will say that, you know, I, I have been, like, really hitting the professional copy editing hard lately. I've been doing it for, like, three different companies. Yeah. And I'm constantly looking things up. Yeah. You know, particularly, like, hyphens, you know, like, what, what words do you hyphenate? What words do you not hyphenate? Mm. Uh, you know, I even, like, double-check comma rules sometimes for the yeah. trickier things. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of punctuation, actually. Like, yeah, yeah. comic artists are notor notoriously have problems with punctuation. And I would say, honestly, everybody Everybody, does. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people. You learn sort of... Most people know the basics of punctuation. And also most people who are actually writing know how a sentence should sound. They can say a sentence that sounds like a good sentence, but they don't know how to use the punctuation yeah, to how make to it sound like that mm -hmm. properly. Yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes how you write and how you speak is really different too, because mm -hmm. it's like, you're trying to translate spoken word yeah. into written word, and it's like, and then what is have this? All their, yeah. Why does this word comics look like have all this? their own like special rules too? I mean, in the manga industry, we always get caught up in the whole like, in Japanese, it's exclamation point followed by a question mark, and it's the reverse in English. So you have generally, to, like, it's not a hard and fast rule because they tried to make the interrobang happen, and it didn't. Well, the interrobang is never going to happen because it's not on a computer <laughs> keyboard. So like, no, but know, as a result, sorry, they guys. were like the question mark exclamation point is technically not correct according to a lot of grammar. So it's a finding a hard and fast rule is kind of hard when well, it's yeah. technically not really accurate. But then it's also like when you're splitting 
uh, words, you have to, you know, do it on the syllable. Yeah. So, oh, like, ooh. the word through can never be split ever. Uh, Sorry if your bubble is tiny and skinny. Yeah, I had problems you know. with that for sure. No, it's tricky, but, I mean, a lot of people don't even really know that rule. Yeah. So you kind of, like, have to... Yeah, this is all know. the dumb stuff you pick up just because you're in the industry. Yeah, and you're like, but oh, like shit, I, mean, I never thought about that. You know, but but the way you learn it is reading. Yeah. And then editing. Or working on it, yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you can't really... Because, I mean, I think that is part of it. Like, a lot of those rules that they tell you where you sort of name the parts of a sentence and stuff like mm. that, they don't teach you how to be a good editor because you got to be faster than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, can't, you can't stop <laughs> and, you know, I mean, obviously you stop and think about sentences, but you have to read over things and then notice when things are wrong. And yeah. you don't have to necessarily know how to fix it, but you have to know what to look for. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you just, you know, like you're, you see the word 21 written out and you're like, oh shit, is there a hyphen or no? And then you look it up, mm-hmm. but you know that that's something that's tricky. You know? That's actually another, we're going to end very soon. God, I'm sorry. We're like talking about literally everything today. No, well, yeah, this I want, is like this is more of an industry conversation than I thought it would be, but I think that the, might be good. <laughs> the Leanne and Rebecca just rant about everything and get really cynical and weird. Day. <laughs> that's most of the podcast, let's be honest. But I do think um, that's one more thing that I wanted to add for people trying to break through. If you are a writer, learn better grammar, because there are a lot of people who I think are very creative writers, really good. I cannot recommend them for professional jobs because their grammar is just not good enough. And it's not like you need to know every little thing because that's what the copy editor's job is, but you need to know the basics very well. Otherwise, it's like you're going to be too much work for the average. Because yeah. I will say that that Sparkler in general has, less so now, but in the early days especially, we had a policy where if you had skill and talent and passion, but you were kind of rough on the fundamentals, we would work with you on it. We no longer really have that same kind of time to do that. Um, unfortunately, because I really enjoyed doing that. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, like, I've actually, uh, you know, I, I, I work a lot with, in the comics industry, that is not really the rule, because rewriting a comic is so much easier than rewriting a novel, because, uh, yes, I mean, I don't want to yes. say have bad grammar, but I'm saying, like, I've been working uh, with a lot of uh, international comics creators, yes. either on translation or, you know, just, just a lot of times, I mean, I don't, I don't translate anything, and I'm working with people in, like, six different languages right now, but yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, you'll get something, and it'll be really roughly translated and, and doing a rewrite of that is something I actually really like and yeah. it's uh, really interesting and I mean you know even just like making sure the expressions are right in some of the Sparkler series by uh, creators whose first language is Spanish or uh, yeah you know the Sparkler is kind of a lot of ESOL and so does Hive Becca works at can we tell people now? yeah I think yeah so. Becca works at Hive works now so they also have a lot of ESOL creators mm. that yeah that's something that if you're a comic artist, your grammar doesn't have to be as good <laughs> because that's not the most important thing. And like, if you're struggling with English a little bit, that's really okay. You can still really get hired for that. Your art has to be impeccable, though. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely. I think. I think there's a little bit more burden that you have to be a little bit more skilled because oh, people yeah. know they're going to dump a little more work on you. But like people who write prose, you really got to get better at, at. You really have to improve your grammar. I know it, it's boring, and I know it doesn't feel like it's that important. And you don't have to know every single tiny rule, but you got to learn the basics really well and there's because a there's a real art to punctuation there really I, is, I could yeah. i mean i'm not going to go do it right now because i could talk about punctuation for a really long time because it's been kind of because i've been doing so much editing it's been like a you know it's it's becomes more and more of an obsession for me but like <laughs> a well punctuated sentence <laughs> oh, is like a beautiful. thing of beauty yeah. and uh <laughs> god i'm such a fucking nerd i'm That's so okay. sorry i still love you just a little <laughs> bit less fair enough <laughs> Do you? We've been running a while. Do you yeah, guys, guys. Do you have anything to add? I'm sorry. No, I was trying to think if I knew anybody else off the top of my head 
who had been promoted in, in the industry based on their being a there fan. Was, uh, I other think than... Leah, Leah Dizon, was that her name? The uh, J-pop girl? Do you oh, ever heard? There was like a girl who was really into like J-pop who ended up becoming a J-pop artist and she didn't really speak Japanese. <laughs> Leah Dizon, I think. D-I-Z-O-N. Yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing that story. I was like, wow, that's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, if you guys... I don't know if you guys follow Korean pop at all. Um, but the band FX, the all-girl band, um, they have the boyish one. She, I think, is Canadian Chinese. Like, I don't know if she speaks Korean. I think they might have gotten her through a talent contest, though. Yeah, um, maybe. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> going through a contest, that's the, like, the quintessential elevated, you know, promoted fangirl. Yeah. You know, right? <laughs> that works, too. And that's why a lot of companies do them, quite frankly. They're like, who is my crazy fan who is also really talented, so it'll be easy to bring them into the fold. I do have, this isn't really in the comics thing, but sure. it's kind of related. Mm -hmm. Visual novels. The indie visual novel right. community, they're speaking anyway. It's kind of like balloons in recent years, yeah. which mm -hmm. is awesome. And I have some friends who, they started out, for instance, one's a graphic designer, one's a video editor, that sort of thing. And they started out just making fan works of graphics and like, short animated mm -hmm. videos or whatever and then they started getting they started being hey if people in the visual novel making community are interested in hiring us for projects we're open and they have gotten some gigs from that it's not like a huge industry thing no but yet, yeah they got an but... yeah i mean i think though that's one of those things that like particularly when it comes to stuff more on the technical side which anything involving like visual novels is going to have oh, to be sure. on the technical side just knowing how to use all the programs is like a real requirement yeah. for a lot of these things you know like you, you have to have your art skills you also have to have your like technology skills or your uh you know like like knowing how to use you know vid video editing software audio editing software that kind of mm -hmm. thing is like a real uh you know nobody gets a job without like a really great skill set behind them is part of it yeah and you know we had even <laughs> i think uh, that, that was one of the sparkler conditions, that you had to have art in digital format that looked good digitally. Mm. <laughs> I think, especially the first round, there were some people who were doing eh, like kind of like watercolor comics or, or comics in pencil or something that it's like, I'm not saying your art isn't great, but it doesn't reproduce digitally well at all. So it's kind of, we can't publish it. <laughs> you know, like, so if, if you had learned how to do, if you had learned how to recreate it digitally, then that's another skill set that, that was an essential part of the job that had nothing to do with your talent and everything to do with <laughs> the distribution and, and, you know, kind of the industry side of it. Then again, some of those people just, yeah, they don't pitch to us and that's totally fair. <laughs> it's like, yeah, go talk to somebody who, who works more in paper than we do. I remember even Tokyo Bob at one point, they published some comic in, in pencil and it was like, unless you're mega Tokyo, you kind of sort of, mm. it's really hard to get away with doing, you have to be really good in pencil because it doesn't reproduce well <laughs> and it looks unfinished to a lot of people and it's just kind of not an industry standard. But, you know, at the same time, Emily Carroll was doing those really long, scrolly comics before mm -hmm. Tapastic and, and Webtoon, I think, were doing their thing. And <laughs> I mean, XKCD's been doing it a while, but yeah. So, I mean, it's not to say that you can't just kind of do something really creative and Oh, new. yeah. Well, and the internet like, oh, is, is a place where creativity people just do what works a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, like, getting picked up by a publisher is not the end-all, be-all if you can actually make your weird thing work. But that's right, like, you know, yeah. not everyone can do that, though. It's like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Homestuck is another really good example of this is everything you can't be a part of the industry doing. <laughs> that he yeah. did, and he made a bazillion dollars. <laughs> so, like, that's great. And we always use Homestuck as an example of, like, if you can pull it off and you can do your own thing, then, like, kind of go for it. But, yeah. like, there's a reason why... I mean, Tep Tepatico ended up putting out some of their, his books. 
but it really wasn't made for books. No. Like... So that's why even if like it was super popular in the early days, the average publisher was like, we can't really do anything with this. Well, yeah. I mean, a publisher would have to be, I mean, you can't. What would you do with that? What would you that? do? Yeah. Like... You might run an ad box on it. Yeah. Like I oh, can does, see. Yeah. yeah. And he does, but he doesn't need someone to do that for him. No, so. no. Before we end, I wanted to say that in, in the future, we were talking about doing a podcast where people send in questions and we answer them on the air. And we did that a little bit back in the day, but we haven't, we don't have a super organized way to ask people for questions. So we're going to be doing surveys shortly. Um, I want Sparkler to do basically a monthly survey and we might start putting questions in there. So uh, if you guys have particular things, because I, I don't know how much people would benefit from an industry conversation like this, but maybe if there are specific questions that people have, because I know that how do you break into comics is something that a lot of people who mm -hmm. are not us get. Because we're, we're extremely transparent about our system. So yeah. we don't get that question as much as like a lot of other people mm -hmm. like Marvel. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we also don't work at Marvel. And a lot of those oh, people yeah. are like, I want to draw Spider-Man. And we're like, no. No, it's like, great. But yeah. I, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I've never had the desire to draw Spider-Man. I've never looked into it. <laughs> yeah. So if there, if there are particular things that people want to talk about or they want us to hear talk about or they they want to hear opinions on um from various people because the other thing is we're going to try and get more creators uh as always we try to get more creators on thank you very much by the way zoe for joining us again last minute at this <laughs> this was a this was yeah. your idea this topic <laughs> i thought i was around it was it's, yeah it's yeah it's um yeah it's great to hear kind of because you have stories that I, I've never heard before. Because there's always like a million kind of hidden stories. And this is stuff mm -hmm. that people talk about at cons. <laughs> They're like, oh, you know, this guy, mm -hmm. blah, yeah. blah, and, you know, be nice and uh, The con after party is the really is a really great place for uh, industry gossip. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if any, anybody listening yeah. to this is going to be at TCAF this year. Oh, We do a big TCAF. sparkler party on Saturday. TCAF so is going to be us. amazing. Sparkler party, Saturday. It's going to be, be so great. good. Yeah. Yeah, we want you to come, Zoe. Sorry. And Leah. Both Sorry, guys. Both of you. Oh, I'll be there in spirit. We're going to have Hildred of Orange Junk is going to be there. Yep, she's going to be at TCAF. Oh, we should say that because this might come out before um, TCAF starts. So, yeah, Hildred is coming. So we're going to do some Orange Junk stuff at the table, which yeah. will be awesome. And we get to meet her in person. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, our our creators are so scattered. So many of them we just never even get to see. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what anyone's faces look like. Yeah. yeah. I know what they're like, <laughs> you know drawings of themselves look like and you gotta see if it how how accurate it is <laughs> yeah come to the sparkler party rub shoulders <laughs> maybe i'll get you a job someday i really do like doing that <laughs> it's like a hobby <laughs> my little watch is like oh got somebody work yeah i don't know why <laughs> it it's is satisfying yeah. it's satisfying knowing you help yeah. somebody <laughs> especially that you since, like as we've said there are times where i'm like i want you to work for sparkler but you don't want to be here man <laughs> <laughs> Versus people, I'm like, yeah, you should come, come here, honey, into my arms. Like, and there are other people. I'm like, I'm really sorry. But. So you're, you're <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you've got like the creepy version. Yeah, yeah. you've got the. <laughs> Speaking of creepy coming into my arms, there's a lot of new Sparkler series that are going to be debuting this oh, month. Oh, so, so excited! When oh, this podcast gosh. comes out, we are going to have launched Yellow Hearts, which was a series on Tapastic that is. Fucking lovely. I am so into Yellow Hearts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's like, just like the thing about Yellow Hearts is that it's one of those things where, you know, I'm not that into high fantasy. And I know you wouldn't, I know it's like, that's a weird thing to say as some, considering what our job is, but like straight up high fantasy is not really my thing. But the way that she writes characters, like you're two word balloons in and you're like, okay, I get these people and I like them. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like really excellent character writing. Yeah. Just yes. Read it. Yes. Cause I was, I was, you know, 
Very I good. was not expecting to be the person in the sparkler chat being like, yes, we need more high fantasy in our magazine. You know, like, <laughs> I'm not that person. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we don't need more but high I was, And we don't, but like, we this need yellow did. hearts. We, we need absolutely hearts, need yellow yeah. hearts. And I was kind of like, foot down, yeah. we're getting this. So we will, we will probably do a podcast about yellow hearts, hopefully with Keezy in the future. But we are happy to uh, debut her. When this comes out. Her people are so cute. They are. And then next month we have another one that is still secret that's coming. I and know. That one, are, yeah. That one's We are in talks awesome with. Yeah. I'm very excited about the yes. very secret and thing. And we are in talks now. I owe a lot of people emails, but we're in talks with like a bunch of creators for stuff that we want uh, in Sparkler. Uh, hopefully very soon. This is the, the, the submissions took a very long time. Because we spent a very long time considering all of them. Mm. <laughs> this wasn't just because we don't have time. It's because like up to four people reviewed each of those submissions. We took them super seriously. And there are a lot of really Yeah, and that's the thing. Part of there. it is that we also, yeah, we had so many people who were at the point where we wanted to consider them too, you know? Mm. Like, because we think about you guys. Again, yeah, you we reach totally out think to about us. You guys. And, we, and I mean, you know? even the people who we had to reject, like, you know, even sort of early on, you know, we see. The people who are passionate, the people who are improving, we yeah, see oh, that a there's lot. There's nothing better than seeing something. Oh, improve. we love watching. I mean, then that's something you know. I mean, I think Lillian's mentioned this in the in in some of the other podcasts, but how you know she kind of got into being a comics editor because she wanted to foster new talent. You know, yeah, that's something we love seeing people who you know they just like they've got cool ideas, but they're not ready for prime time. But then you know the, their new one comes back and like the the story is kind of wrong for us, but their anatomy is way better and their mm-hmm. their you know their writing is like you know jumped up and leaps and bounds and like we just we get really excited to see that stuff. That's also why I've been thinking a lot about it, <laughs> working in the industry and, yeah. and getting people jobs because <laughs> that stuff gets all connected. So if you reach out to us. You probably put a little worm in my brain, and I'll be thinking about you. You're going to get so many emails now. You're just asking for, for there to be more emails. <laughs> I'm really bad at answering emails. Yeah, don't Everybody be offended that. when Leanne doesn't answer your email. No. But I'm usually thinking. Send a follow-up yeah, email. Follow-up yeah, send, a, works, send yeah. a polite follow-up emails, yeah. like, several weeks later. Or do things like come to the Sparkler party. Come to the Sparkler booth and say hi, you know? Like oh, yeah. That, also that. come to TCAF, because TCAF's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. If you can get to Canada. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. Sneak over the border. <laughs> be like work i'm sorry i have to walk to toronto now <laughs> aren't you in the <laughs> west <laughs> coast yeah okay yes no, i am too far though don't do it <laughs> well thank you for- i'm also on the other side of yeah. the you country Florida? so too far yes yes i am yeah. to walk you should come anyway but don't walk. well i'm nice and warm over <laughs> yeah, here at least not, yeah it's actually really cold where we are <laughs> i had to turn the heat off for recording purposes <laughs> so it's really cold in no here. wonder oh that makes sense okay I was like, why the fuck is your apartment so freezing? It's April. It's Connecticut. That's why. Anyway, on that note, uh, we hope you guys all come talk to us on Twitter and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we hope you enjoyed the podcast. We hope you got something out of it, at the very least, uh, insight into, I don't even know... This, yeah. this went off the rails a little bit, but I think I think it was at least entertaining. It'll be entertaining after it gets edited. Sorry, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you like something, tell the person who made it. Yeah. If, if you can get yourself to do that, please do that. It's, uh, they fucking love it. They, at the very least, you're going to make their day. At the best, maybe they'll get you a job someday. So, or they'll <laughs> hire you to work for their <laughs> shitty magazine. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy the magazine is no longer shitty, but in those first days, we were really cobbling. <laughs> oh, man. We really did not know what we were doing. Um, God bless everyone who was with us yeah. in year one. <laughs> first year of Sparkler was rough. Like, yeah. really rough. Thank you for everyone but, who put up with us. Yeah, we one. love you guys. And the thing is, I'm still really proud of a lot of the work we did. We did really no, good yeah. work, but like, 
but the My torture God. that it took. Like yeah. our launch, I didn't sleep for three days. I thought I was gonna yeah, die. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen you. You were just like ashen, and you had like these bags under your eyes, and you were like, "What? What is?" What do you need for me? I'm like, go the fuck to sleep. Oh my god. Yeah, it was bad. Anyway. Anyway, on that note. Thank you for joining us. Thank you all so much for joining yes. us. And uh, we'll hopefully be a little less cynical and weird next time. Nah, that's yeah. a promise we can't keep. We'll bring out some creators know. and some people were like, like, we know less well and feel yeah. less... Yeah, actually, and yeah. next month we might end up talking. Um, next month, in the next couple of months, we'll probably end up talking about our new lineup because there's a lot of shit coming. But I'm still working out uh, uh, deals with people and stuff mm-hmm. and, and schedules, so I can't talk about any of it now, other than Yellow Hearts, which God bless Yellow oh, Hearts is ready to go. Yes, um, but and, and then May we'll see another one, at least one new other new one, yeah. and then other stuff. So yeah, these these next two are really good ones. Yeah. Yellow Hearts and the next one. Both of them are like... Every, honestly, everything. I mean, I love this all of a, our stuff, so it's like... a competitive round of submissions. We got a lot of them, and we're going to see how many we can actually publish, because we already had to turn down a lot that we were like, fuck, this is so good, we can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> we will... Usually the answer is, we will be ineffective at selling it. It has nothing to do with how good it is, <laughs> or how much we want it, but I don't think I can make you money. You should go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Thank you all so much for listening. Yes. And uh, we will see you next month. Bye. Bye.